This episode of the Busted Wide Open podcast is brought to you by Blueberry. Blueberry offers the best media hosting, accurate listening stats, and their all-new PowerPress Deluxe sites, a no-setup WordPress website for your podcast with all the necessary links to share your show with the world built right in. If you currently produce a podcast and are looking for a better media host or looking to start a new one from scratch, head over to orbitaljigsaw.com forward slash BWO and sign up for the best media hosting and a PowerPress Deluxe site to get your first month absolutely free. That's orbitaljigsaw.com forward slash BWO, or just use the promo code BWO at checkout for your first month free. And with that said, enjoy the show. This is Tawny from the Dirty Bits Podcast, and you're listening to Busted Wide Open on the Orbital Jigsaw Network. You're listening to the Busted Wide Open Podcast. Dropping the elbow on the hottest topics in sports entertainment and the world of professional wrestling. With your hosts, Nick Howell and Sir Ian Dangerous. Coming to you from the Orbital Jigsaw Network Arena in sunny Southern California. Welcome back to the Busted Wide Open Podcast, but if this is your first time joining us, we'd like to welcome you to episode number 49. I'm Nick Howell. And I am Sir Ian Dangerous, and I I am feeling old as dirt today. (laughs) Why would that be, Ian? Well, because we just had a very special episode of Raw that celebrated the 25th anniversary of this show being on the air. 25 years, man. Not this show, Raw. Not this show, not yet. We get we still we tw- would be really old. <laughs> we got twenty four to go, but yeah, no, it's twenty five years since Raw has been on the air, and this week we celebrated that with a very special Raw twenty five. And there's been other, uh, what would you say, like landmark shows in Raw history, like uh, like Raw one thousand, the one thousandth episode. Yeah, they've, yeah, they've had a couple of these big celebratory shows before, and this one was the same, but a little different. Uh, it, it was there were some really really good parts and there were some disappointing parts and there's a lot to talk about just about raw 25 and this is in a week when we have to also talk about the royal freaking rumble and NXT takeover there's a, there is so much to discuss this week nick we are we are we have a huge huge show today it, one of the big things that i took away from raw this 25th special was that it, it didn't feel like a go-home show for one of your big four pay-per-views yeah. of the year. There was no plot line advancement or build or anything like that. Very little of it. For the Royal Rumble. But before we head over and talk about Monday Night Raw, we've got to get into the big news. So we, we record this show a little bit later in the week in order to be able to cover all the topics from the week in WWE and wrestling in general. So some of our big news is cutting edge as of a couple of hours ago. Yeah. And some of it's a little bit older. The, the older story that is still very relevant, and in case you don't know, Enzo Amore has been fired by the WWE. Enzo is gone. And this was a really interesting story that developed very quickly. And this is not in kayfabe. This is legit. Legit. He's gone. And uh, this was a a, a bit of a, uh, when it first came out, it was very shocking. And the more we delved into it, the more it just became bizarre and freakish and sad and crazy and a whole bunch of other stuff. Basically, Enzo was accused of sexual assault uh, for an incident that happened back in October uh, in a hotel room, there is a, a woman who has come out and has accused him of 
some horrible stuff, uh, rape and a, a bunch of other stuff as well. Um, and he was initially suspended and for a very short period of time. And less than a day later, they went ahead and fired him. Uh, and this is interesting for a number of reasons. One, because uh, the very similar situation that recently happened with Rich Swan, mm-hmm. where he had a domestic violence uh, accusation, or he was he went to he went to jail for, and, and that's still up in the air. But he's just got suspended. He didn't get fired because they're going to wait. And as they said in their press release, we're going to wait and see what happens in a court of law. Right. Uh, in the Enzo case, he was accused, and then boom, gone. But do you know why? Well, this is I, I was going to say, but why don't you go ahead? Sure. I mean. Th- so you mentioned that this has been going on. This happened, occurred back in October. And kids, if, if you've not worked in corporate America before, one of the biggest things you have to do is disclose anytime you are under any kind of civil or criminal investigation, right? So that's the that's where Enzo went wrong here. And I fully back the WWE. Regardless of the outcome and regardless of you think of the situation that happened, he is under a criminal potential felony investigation that he will go to jail for a long time for if found guilty. Uh, again, this is all alleged at this point, but he did not disclose any of this for the last, what, six months? Five, six months to the WWE? That's a big deal. And you need to tell people when that kind of stuff is going on. That's why he got fired, not because he, quote-unquote, allegedly sexually assaulted someone. But that's that's a speculation as to why he got fired right now. We don't have any actual proof of this. That being said, that seems to be the most likely reason based on the timing of everything. And given the fact that there has been mm, back-and-forth speculation as to uh, Enzo's troubled time with the company, how much of a pain in the ass right. he was to work with, before this, so and he finally, was, like enough was enough. This enough was, kind was enough, of the, basically. The straw, yeah, yeah. Is, is this this definitely did seem to be uh, one of the situations where Enzo was kind of on shaky ground to begin with, and this just did not help his case. Um, you know, to delve a little bit deeper into this, we we could get into speculation on whether or not this is actually something that really happened. The accuser is definitely a questionable uh, source. Uh, given we have a, 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 a our crack investigative team consisting of our, our listener, Jared, yes, <laughs> uh, actually came, did, did the work for us. And, and uh, uh, this, this woman, the accuser, is actually very active on social media, as well as a lot of her friends are. Active and, is one word to put, <laughs> one way to put it. <laughs> um, and, and having seen some of this stuff myself, I, I have to say, um, I think Enzo's going to be okay. I, does, I don't think that, uh, from a legal standpoint, I don't think anything this woman says is going to hold up in court. Uh, that being, you know, we will, we'll never know what actually happened in this hotel room. If there even was a hotel room, uh, it's not our place to speculate on that sort of thing other than to say that there is information out there, uh, regarding the situation that mm, lends a suspicion to the, the veracity of the, of the accusation. And to, for, for, for accuracy, this has been posted since. The, the incident allegedly happened in October. Yeah. It's been since that time that these things that we're referring to uh, have been posted to both Instagram and YouTube uh, on her part. So this is one of those weird things where I don't want to spec. I don't want to spend time on who he said, she said of what happened. In my opinion, the reason Enzo got fired is because the integrity wasn't there to disclose yeah. uh, fairly with your employer. Somebody's paying you millions of dollars 
to do what you do and through merch, et cetera, you did, you have to disclose that. And that's, and that's the thing is that when we put this against the rich swan situation, yeah. uh, that is the only disparity that, that anyone can find. The first thing you do is you go tell dad about it. You it's, declare. You need to go talk to Vince. Exactly. Right? So Vince will take care of you. Vince will have your back, but you got to go talk to Vince. Yeah. And, and since then, Enzo's lawyers have released a statement saying that he's not going to comment. He vehemently denies all claims. We'll see you in court kind of thing. So that's something we'll keep an eye on. Uh, I don't know. Do you think there's, if he is found innocent eventually do you think there's ever a path for him back to the wwe of course uh we've really? seen many we've seen plenty of superstars come back to the wwe people of enzo's uh <clears throat> skill level i was gonna go but <laughs> <laughs> uh but uh look at what they've done how he's kind of think of it what you want how he's reinvigorated the cruiserweight division uh the level of trust that they've put in him to do that uh the fact that they've kept the belt on him for i don't know almost three four months now at least uh, I see a path back. Yes, I don't know if they would invest that or just build up another one of the up and coming superstars. Given, yeah, exactly. Given the amount of talent out there and that yeah. they have waiting in the wings, I I would have to say betting odds that the odds are against us ever seeing Enzo in the WWE again at this point. Uh, in other major news, cutting edge news, uh, the XFL. The XFL has officially be, been announced that it will return in 2020. Uh, just today, Vince McMahon had a press conference where he said, yes, I am bringing back the XFL. There will be uh, eight teams over a 10-week season not competing with the NFL. We're bringing it back uh, in uh, in 2020, uh, not directly competing with the, with the NFL, but it's just another bit of content, sports content to have out there. And uh, it's an interesting. Uh, it's it's interesting because there's a lot of aspects to this. People immediately are obviously poo pooing the idea because of the kind of the black mark that the XFL has right. in history. But uh, I think that based on how Vince is proposing he do it this time, he has a much higher chance of having it be successful. I, I'm just, and I, I uh, to use a term that you used earlier today, I am cautiously optimistic, uh, skep- skeptically, skeptically optimistic. optimistic. Yeah, it's he definitely seems like he's coming at it from a bit more of a calm, uh, well thought out standpoint as opposed to just we're going full in right now, one year prep time and all the crazy shit we can throw it. No, no, not this time. Yeah, no cheerleaders, no gimmicks. This is just going to be football and it's going to be they're going to probably have some uh, revolutionary production ideas just like they did with the XFL. Yeah. Uh, the XFL if if you're not aware is the reason we do have a sky cam now in the NFL and the the uh, the cable cam yep. that we have that was innovated by the NFL by the XFL. So I have no doubt that they're going to try some some new stuff there. He says he wants to have it be more social media friendly. I have no doubt cameras will be in interesting places at interesting times. Uh, on the other side, he did say that the XFL would be a little bit more how he runs WWE, where you cannot have any kind of personal stances uh, while you're doing your job, which is another way of saying there ain't going to be no kneeling uh, in the XFL during the national anthem. Now, politics aside, from a business standpoint, I can see why he would want to do that. Right. Uh, you know, a lot of people are immediately jumping on him for the political implications of that and his close ties with the Trump administration, with his wife being right. a member of the administration, et cetera, et cetera. Just taking that aside, though, 
it is from a standpoint of him being the sole owner of this entire corporation. It's the same reason why you'll never see a WWE superstar take a kneel, take a knee during the national anthem because he would fire them. Right. And you are in his eyes, you are an employee and you know, you are paid to do a job and go do your job. This is not your personal pulpit of sorts. You sure. Know? And that's one of the, I mean, I don't want to get too far down this sidetrack, but that is one of the, the arguments being made in the NFL. Well, you for took it. us down here. Well, I'm just, I'll, I'm, I'll I'm say, just continuing down it just really quickly to put a point on it. That's what the NFL is having an issue with where are the players employees or are they uh, contractors essentially? Um, so that's that's where there's wiggle room in the NFL. They haven't closed that loophole in the contracts. Yeah. Vince is saying uh, off the bat, no, 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 that contract hole is closed. Uh, and what that will do as far as his viewership and his being able to put that out there for people who come down on that side of the argument will probably definitely be a strong selling point for his his league. From a business standpoint, I can see why he would he would have taken that stance. Yeah, and, and even just to protect himself from having to deal with that, just nix it immediately, regardless of which way you feel is the right one. Exactly. That's not gonna that kind of stuff isn't gonna be happening here one way or the other. Right. And and again, we're gonna see it be run kind of like the WWE, as you said, you're an employee. Yeah. So uh, all the different aspects aside. We're getting the XFL back. Uh, it'll be interesting to see how this has ramifications in the wrestling world because how much of Vince's brain will now be taken up by football? Will Baron Corbin get to play football finally? What? That was <laughs> totally not where I was going with that. Uh, I'd actually, Mojo Raleigh gets I'd say Mojo is yeah. more of a candidate at this yeah. point. But no, I was, it's more going to be like how it affects the WWE. Uh, some of the time frames are, are interesting here. The, he wants to start it in 2020. We talked last week about the possibility that the WWE might be bought by Fox. Vince said earlier this week in a, in a phone conference, in a phone call, uh, uh, he, that he is very open to WWE being sold. So if he is looking to make some big money selling the WWE and then have more of his focus beyond football, that looks like it might time out perfectly for him, which might not be coincidence. I don't know. I still feel like they're going to keep it in the family and it's going to be Shane or Stephanie or, or Hunter. Sure, but this right. is good. But if if it does sell, it'll take a whole lot of time and energy uh, off of his table and give it back to him that he can then go spend on the XFL. Either way, either way, it would. Yeah, yeah. So interesting speculations there. But uh, that is the big news for this week. I'm sorry, most of it was uh, kind of horrible, but <laughs> but uh, let's go talk about Raw 25. It, oh wait, some of that's horrible too. But it's a, no, it's all exciting. It's all interesting stuff. Let's go talk about Monday Night Raw. Well, as we said earlier in the show, Raw has been on the air for 25 years. Jesus effing Christ, we're old. Yeah, definitely. I mean, it's so old that I actually remember them having to come out of the Manhattan Center, which is ironically where the show started. Maybe not ironically, maybe perfectly, I would say. It started with Jerry the King Lawler and Jim Ross welcoming us to Raw 25 from the Manhattan Center. And then it cut over to the Barclays Center in Brooklyn, where they were also having Raw 25. They had two venues to have this show uh, emanate from. And I think that's one of the biggest stories of this show is the fact that they tried and many would argue failed to execute that uh, that double location properly. Uh, there was a lot of super fans that were at the Manhattan Center, which is obviously a much smaller venue, much smaller. Maybe 500 people in there. Maybe. And some of the tickets there were going for upwards of $800,000 $1, a seat. And one of the issues was as we get into the meat of the show, uh, they didn't have a whole lot of content going on at the Manhattan Center. In fact, 
uh, most of the stuff that the guys at the Manhattan Center saw was on the TV of things that were happening at the Barclays Center. So uh, they had a couple of matches. They had a, a reunion there. We'll get into all of that. But the fact of the matter is, there's a lot of dissatisfaction with these hardcore fans that were at the Manhattan Center, so much though, so that before the show was even halfway done, they were getting chants of refund and we want wrestling and this is bullshit chants throughout the entire place uh, pretty quickly off the bat. And that's, that's not a good look for some of your most hardcore fans. Well, over at Barclays Center, after we had we got to see uh, Jim Ross and the King back together again, we opened up Raw at the Barclays Center uh, with Stephanie and Shane McMahon standing in the ring together and giving kind of a outside of kayfabe, thank you, everybody. It's been an amazing 25 years, but we couldn't have a thankful Monday Night Raw without one man, the chairman and CEO of of WWE, Vince McMahon. And we got Vincent to see, Kennedy McMahon. We got to see him, you know, strut. pimp walk, strut down to the uh, down to the arena. It was the fantastic. Yeah. yeah. Uh, and and this is interesting. There's there's two aspects to this that I thought were interesting. Uh, one was that you could almost feel the moment where kayfabe came back in, and it was once Vince got back in the ring and uh, turned on the crowd. Yeah. <laughs> uh, well, but it was it when was, they were presenting him with a plaque. They gave him a, they gave him this this cheap looking little plaque that said "Congratulations, twenty five years of Raw," and he said, uh, and he that he went from being Vincent Kennedy McMahon into. Mr. McMahon, yeah. the character, yeah. and uh, well, it looks a little cheap. Kind of like, like the all the rest of these people here in Brooklyn. Brooklyn yeah. <laughs> oh, okay, here we go. Yes! This Mr. McMahon is back. Uh, but the other aspect that I thought was, uh, was, was mm, telling was when Vince uh, said, you know, I'm not usually one to congratulate myself or stop to smell the roses. <laughs> I'm like, then what is this show about, Vince? Right. You know, it was this, that's... Mm, that's kind of what anyway I laughed at that I laughed at that line because I was like okay sure <laughs> if you say so and another ask another thing really quickly to touch on there have been people online who are bitching about everyone in the crowd chanting thank you Vince thank you Vince uh, and people were saying you know this you're you're chanting thank you to the guy who you week in and week out online bitch about his booking and bitch about what he's doing with the company and it's like yes yes we are because he also is the guy who gave us all of this and the framework for him to screw up his company in, he gave us the car. And just because we bitch every once in a while about the, tr the seat trim doesn't mean that we can't appreciate the car. So to everyone who wants to not chant, thank you, Vince, or thinks that that is, that is somehow doing a disservice uh, by making him think that he's greater than he is. Right. No, 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 no. It's, you know, you can not like how your iPhone runs, but this doesn't mean you can't uh, not respect Steve jobs. Sure. You know what I mean? Like just because Steven Spielberg wants to do Indiana Jones four doesn't mean he didn't do one, two, and three. <laughs> anyway, rant yep. over. Uh, this segment was definitely the segment of the show, largely because, as we said, Vince starts to run down the crowd and be very uh, Mr. McMahon. Ah, and then the glass broke. <laughs> yep. Yes. The glass broke. Probably the biggest pop I've heard since the Hardys came out at WrestleMania last year. Yeah. And out comes Stone Cold. Steve Austin. Full in character, too. Just, oh, just. Oh, it was so good. There was a lot of nostalgia on this show. There was a lot of just cheap pop nostalgia moments on the show that we'll get into. This was one of those cheap pop nostalgia moments that was so well done. And it was honestly, you know, as far as like running down their greatest hits, this is kind of like running like this is the old band that can still play their song 
perfectly. Yes. And update it just enough to make it relevant now. Uh, Stone Cold gets down there, pops the bird on every turnbuckle and pounds, you know, it comes back in the ring and Vince immediately starts saying, you know, you know, Steve, uh, I'm an AARP now. I'm, I'm a, I'm a, I'm a, I'm a senior citizen. I, I can't really, um, you know, implying that don't stunner me. Yeah. Don't stunner me. I, 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 I can't take it anymore. You know what I mean? Like we've had our time, Steve, but, but you know, my son, Shane, he's still in his prime, right? You can stun him and Shane get this look like what <laughs> dad, what? And of course he takes a stunner. Stone Cold stuns him. And then and there hugs. might not be anybody else that I can think of that takes that sells that stunner as good as Shane. I Maybe thought it was okay. I thought it was an okay one. I it mean, was, over time, he's always been kind of one of the better sellers of the stunner. I heard someone say it was like one of the worst sells ever. And I, no. I point to the very first time that Vince McMahon took it on Monday night raw that's the worst sell of yeah. the stunner ever, even though it's, you know, epic and, and legendary. But that being said, uh, after that, we had a little reunion of the Stone Cold heel turn when he hugs Vince and he gets them both some beers and they start chugging beers together. And Vince, by the way, in a little moment that I thought was hilarious, Shane's still writhing on the ground and Stone Cold and Vince are, are saluting the crowd with their beers. And as they walk towards the ropes to salute the crowd, Vince just kind of subtly pours his beer on Shane as he's on the ground. Classic. That was cute. It was a cute little moment. Right. Uh, and then, of course, Vince gets stunned. Right. <laughs> he gets and then stunnered. he gets more beers. And uh, I thought he got a third beer. He cracks it and sits it down next to Shane. And who, I was who just gets like, up and goes, oh, I, I guess. OK, so we're cool now. Nope. He gets another stunner, spits beer everywhere. That was a good sell. Yes. And then Stone Cold proceeds to mount the ring, turnbuckles, and salute everybody, and we go to commercial. That segment right there, as much as it's kind of like Tom and Jerry at it again, you know, like the that that uh, or or the Roadrunner and Wiley e. Coyote, like that's what it felt like to me. These are classic TV characters, Mr. McMahon and Stone Cold in the ring. It's now you know twenty seventeen twenty years later, and they're kind of it's it felt like it had it had enough advancement in time like they acknowledge the passage of time with it but it's like they're still up to their old wacky tricks it took me right back but it's but i like the fact that it took me back but still felt like time had passed they acknowledged time had passed yeah uh and it's like yeah we can still do the same old shtick and it still works and it's even funnier to have it uh to have vince be like Man, Steve, I, I I can't do that anymore. It's that's just. I know you want to kick my ass, but you know I'm a look. I've got glasses. I could, you wouldn't hit a guy with glasses, would you? Right. You know what I mean. That kind of thing. <laughs> yeah. So that that was one of the reasons why this segment really really worked for I'll me. I'll tell you an interesting thing about this part. Um, I went back and wa I watched this live, and then I went back and watched it the next day on Hulu as well. The live one, they didn't blur anything out. They yeah, didn't prop fingers, anything out. Yeah. So, and you could see him doing the double finger at the top of the rope on the live broadcast. On the Hulu version, they did the zoom crop technique where they cut his hands off yep. uh, at the top of the screen. And when he was doing it in the ring down in their face after he stunned them, uh, they, it. it was blurted out. So, uh, if you're it's the do it PG live, era. Come, yeah, it's but fine. you're doing it live. So, I mean, why not well, do it on the Hulu version? So, but, I don't know. <laughs> Anyway, in well, my, I'll, I'll write Kevin Dunn an email for you. Okay? Please do. Please do. In, my, it, in it, my opinion, they should have shot, stopped the show right here and just gone on and talked about the Royal Rumble because it, for me, it was all downhill from here. With a couple of very small bright spots, I could not agree with you more. As far as the nostalgia bits, we definitely yeah. had some stuff that was relevant, but not very much of it. Uh, I And one quick point. Is it telling the fact that Stone Cold Steve Austin is still more over than anyone on the main roster? And he didn't say a word. He had a good backstage segment that was on YouTube later, but he didn't say a word in this segment. 
You know what I mean? Like it's 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 proof that every good guy has to have a good foil. Yeah. And Stone Cold and Vince McMahon definitely bring out the best in each other uh, as far as their characters. But no one is as over as this. And he's still this over 20 years later. Yeah. And I it's been that way for 15 years. Yeah. You know, it's hard to think about. But yeah, I, I can't remember that, that it transported me back to Y2K to that that era of when all of that stuff was going on. And I was just like, hmm. <laughs> well, that's what, they were, that's what it was supposed to do. And it's what a lot of the other nostalgia bits were supposed to do as well, except they all, I would argue, failed to some degree, uh, some different degree based on which one it was. For instance, we also had The Undertaker. The first time we've seen him since he lost to Roman Reigns at last year's WrestleMania, he came out into the ring at the Manhattan Center. Uh well, let's preface this by saying two things. One, it, the lights didn't go out. We didn't get the smoke. We didn't get the lightning bolts or anything that makes the Undertaker's entrance so ominous. No, and that's true. But I will also, by counterpoint, argue that it was more close to how he used to enter, like he did enter right. on the very first episode of Raw I mean, uh, 25 years ago. And one, you had Fink announcing. And you had Fink announcing. Yes, Finkel came out of, I don't know if that was a clip of him or if he was actually in the ring. Oh, that's a good point. Uh, but that being said... You had uh, Finkel announcing uh, Undertaker walking the ring. If you'll notice, he did not have his hat or his gloves, which he left into the ring in WrestleMania. So I wonder if he's partly left the persona behind him as well, and that's why we didn't get the lights, or if that was a callback to the very first draw. We were joking on Twitter that he had borrowed the Miz's jacket, and you know, <laughs> the Miz was going to have a match later, so he wouldn't Ouch. really need it. So he uh, borrowed anyway. Go ahead. But uh, but then he cut this promo in the middle of the ring that I can describe at best as being cryptic and at worst as being incomprehensible. Uh, it was, I'm not going to run it down, but it basically, basically he said, I've beaten a lot of people and now they can like, they can all rest in peace. And that's about as like, as concise as I can make it because other than that, it was just a bunch of kind of gobbled. It was Bray Wyatt ish. It was almost like gobbledygook. He, he hit a bunch of his classic lines like digging holes and, you know, uh, rest in peace and all the rest of it. But it was incomprehensible. And even the announcers didn't know what to make of it. Like they hadn't been told what he was going to say or what it meant. So we're now sitting here. Okay. Did you just retire or are you saying you're coming back for another match? We don't even know. And so it just, it fell flat. How many times is The Undertaker going to retire? Uh, that's, that's my curious. About as many as Ric Flair. Okay, that's fair. Uh, I, I equally was underwhelmed. I, I, to have this happen at the Manhattan Center, I get the intention, but it fell completely flat because we've been seeing him come in under this big, grandiose entrance for, you know, aside from Kid Rock Anthem on a you know biker taker, uh, we've been seeing him come in under this grand entrance for the best part of the last 15 to 20 years. So I, you know, to come out in full lights in the Manhattan Center, I get the intention of it being the place he first came out in, but eh, it just fell completely flat for me, forgetting complete all the stuff that he said in the ring. Uh, on the backside of this, backstage throughout the entire show, it started small with just Rhino and Heath Slater, but we also had uh, <laughs> Baruch and John Bradshaw, JBL, playing poker backstage. And Heath Slater kind kind of continuing to be a doofus and losing all his money and playing up and his Ted, I got kids Ted DiBiase, million dollar man, was million dollar man too. showed yep. up, my boy. Yeah, no, they had a. It was this was this was another segment that like had its ups and downs. It was nice to see the the APA call back to the the old poker table, right. although without the beer and without the cigarettes and cigars. But uh, but at the same time, like I'm not. 
this was another segment. You had a bunch of kind of nostalgia moments to it, but then the t- the places where it tied in with the, the current storylines made no sense. So this ended up with uh, Heath Slater having a match against Titus Worldwide, who were also present at this table. Right. Uh, Heath Slater and Rhino having a match with Titus Worldwide. And then that somehow ended up with Heath Slater getting put through a table by the Dudleys, thrown to the wolves by his own partner, Rhino, I might add. Which I, I don't know what that I mean, aside from the cheap pop for the Dudleys and the cheap pop for the APA and the cheap pop for DiBiase, who actually had the most in character bit of the whole of all of them coming in and throwing a huge stack on the table and winning with a royal flush <laughs> and then giving the laugh. Yeah, uh, the rest of it to me was just kind of like weird fan service that didn't connect. I thought the whole uh, Heath Slater Dudleys was a setup for DX to come out for the New Age Outlaws, excuse me, to come out. And I was sorely disappointed to find out that what happened happened later. So, well, we'll get it. We'll get into the DX yeah. segment later. But my point is, is like, does that lead anywhere with Heath and and and, and Rhino? Does it matter? D- Titus None of it matters. Like that's the problem. Is it just seemed like a throwaway bit? Masturbatory. Yeah, is, is what it was. And that's that's a word I could use for a lot of the stuff on this yep. show. Which is too bad because you had the opportunity to advance a lot of storylines. You go back and watch Raw 1000 just to cherry pick one. You had a bunch of storyline stuff happen on that that had that meant a big deal, right? It's CM Punk turning heel. You had a bunch of stuff, right? But on this show, you didn't have a lot of storyline stuff happen. And I don't know if that's because they didn't want to throw anything off for the Rumble or because they just they were just creatively bankrupt. Uh you know, and they, were, they had a couple of moments on the show that were just straight up. Hey, look at these people. Remember these people moments like they had the, the uh, some previous raw GMs come out. They had uh, uh, the female super Bischoff. They had yeah. Bischoff come out and John Laurinaitis and uh, William Regal, which was cool. Yeah, he got NXT chance. Very cool. And then uh, and then they introduced Daniel Bryan that led into the uh, match between the Miz and Roman Reigns, which we'll get into later. Uh, they had, like as you said, the woman, the like, previous women superstars come out and line up. Strangely, no Lita uh, for that one. And she even said on Twitter, like, yeah, where was my invite? Um, oh, really? Yeah. I, did, so, I figured she was traveling or something and couldn't make it. But um, holy shit, that if if she didn't get invited. That's a, that's a bit of an oversight, I would say. I don't know. That's weird. Okay. Uh, Second but, only to Stone Cold, though, was the pop that Trish Stratus got when she Trish came out. Stratus got a huge pop and it was actually some of the women that were out there. It was really cool to see them. Like yep. there's a, there's a lot of them that uh, I had either overlooked or forgotten about. And I, that was a moment like when the, when the women came out, I said, that's a, that's, this is really cool. Even though it really was kind of a nothing thing they, they, Here's the women. It's a, it's a little popularity contest. Like when they bring out the hall of famers at WrestleMania, uh, you know, here's so and so. There's polite applause. Here's hey. so polite applause. Bigger pop for this person. You know what I mean? But it's still nice. It was nice to see all of them. Uh, Maria and Maurice both looking about equally as pregnant at yes. this point. <laughs> um, in terms of other nostalgia segments, we also had Ric Flair come out and diss Alexa Bliss, the champ, on the behalf of his daughter Charlotte. Which is weird because they they buried the Raw champ at the expense of the SmackDown champ. It might have just been. Like, A, isn't great to see Ric Flair looking great, which it is. Um, but it, in my opinion, it also made Charlotte look like the bigger star, which was literally odd, and figuratively. Yeah. It, it was She's a, huge because standing next to Ric Flair and Alexa Bliss. Good well, gracious. Alexa Bliss is not exactly a large person, I five understand. foot tall. But uh, and, and we also had Mark Henry's uh, and, and the Godfather have a weird interaction where Mark Henry was hitting on Godfather's wife. 
because he's sexual chocolate still, but yet the Godfather's not really the Godfather because now he's happily married. Right. Uh, we didn't get the ho. No, no. There's only one ho now. Oh, okay. And he takes her ho. Mm. But uh, they had you had a promo for you had AJ Styles on Raw for some reason promoing his match, uh, the SmackDown match that's going to happen at Royal Rumble. But he was interviewed by Mean Gene Oakland, which was cool. But Mean Gene had one line. And then AJ did a Hulk Hogan impression and then gave a speech and that was it. You know, I, I was a little under, I mean, Mean Gene even looked at the camera and was like, I guess that's it. Like it was, it was so quickly done. I was like, why? I mean, the, the one segment that actually had some storyline implications was the peep show. You had Christian come out yep. and interview uh, Seth and, and, and Jason Jordan about their match. And then the bar comes out, a brawl ensues and Seth accidentally hits JJ. So, Okay, there, something happened. Something happened that will affect storylines going forward. We know how this story plays out. Oops, there's miscommunication with the tag team. We've been here before. Well, and they they actually moved that story forward with this segment. So you had a nostalgia segment, and it moved forward storylines. That was good. Uh, you know, uh, but as you said earlier, we also had the DX segment at, over at the Manhattan Center, one of the few things that happened at the Manhattan Center, you had uh, Triple H and Shawn Michaels come out and do their whole DX thing again, which is starting to look more and more like the, you know, the 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 fathers of the grandfathers coming out and still trying to look cool on their Harleys. You know, it was it was it was a little awkward because the whole point of DX was like these young, you know, thug up and comers, and now it's it's just woof. But they introduced all the rest of DX too. Oh, but real quick. Did you hear Triple H mention China? Yes, I, did. I heard that. And I also want to call out the awkwardness of the entrance and the hugs uh, between DX and X-Pac when he came out. Well, I was going to say that they, they <laughs> called out the they called out the rest of the guys too. out came Road Dog and Billy Gunn uh, out came X-Pac, who looks like he's done every crystal of crack he could find for the last 10 years. Yep. His eyes were going five different directions at once. And that was definitely awkward because he, yeah, he's had a he's had a rough road that boy. Um, and then they brought out Scott Hall from the from the original Click, the predecessor to DX. And then mid entrance, cut to commercial for about ten minutes because it took him ten minutes to get his his bad hips in the ring. Probably, <sighs> well, he's been doing DDP yoga, so he, he, he's you know. The only reason he's standing yeah. <laughs> is because he did DDP yoga. Did you? If you've seen the, there's a movie called uh, The Resurrection of Jake the Snake, and yeah. Scott Hall is in that. And when he start before he starts DDP yoga, he's literally in a wheelchair and cannot walk. Yeah. So the fact that he's able to walk to the ring and then get shoved around later on is is you know what? Props to Scott Hall. It's 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 shock he's alive. Um, notably absent, Kevin Nash. Yes. Also from the original click. Uh, he tweeted out that he wouldn't be able to make it because he can't fit on a plane and he just had some knee surgery. And uh, apparently it's bad enough for him to be on planes given the fact that he's six foot freaking ten. And uh, apparently, you know, seven hour flight with bad knees, it would be too much for right. a for a five minute, you know, walkout segment. <laughs> so check that check wasn't big enough, apparently. No. So this is so, you know, you used the word masturbatory earlier. Yeah. This to me was easily far and away the most masturbatory part of the show. Now, how much better would this have been at Barclays in, with 20,000 people, 15,000 people versus Manhattan Center? And again, I'm going to repeat what I said for Undertaker. I get the intention. I get why they did the Manhattan Center thing. I just think it was such a bad move because you need 15,000 people to make those chants really sing and come, pop and I come think, alive. Yeah, but I think Triple H is currently on the smaller venue trip 
pardon the pun, with the with the NXT thing. Like he yeah. wanted to connect directly with the fans, and they were definitely doing that. Where he was, he was really talking to the fans and saying, you know, DX is this and that and this and that, and kind of rewriting history. It was you know, all because of you. Yeah, yeah. most of DX were mid carters most of their career. Let's yeah. let's be let's be fair here, but um, you know, the, here's the thing: is that this segment would have been a nice nostalgia segment, but then it got. I don't know how to, what to think about this because all of a sudden Finn Balor's music hits and out comes Finn Balor and Gallows and Anderson. The Balor Club comes out and it ends up, we're not sure what they're going to do when they get in the ring and they get in the ring and it turns into a big too sweet love fest. Everyone's too sweeting each other. Was this a passing of the torch, passing of the baton? Was this DX trying to still look relevant by putting themselves next to Balor Club? Does this help Finn get more over? Does it show that, is, that he is actually liked by the company? I wasn't sure what to think about this. I, I, the only thing I could make of it, I would have much rather have seen DX stand off to the side and allow that passing of the torch between Scott Hall and Finn Balor happen. Like we've heard, we've all oh, yeah. heard the stories, but I think if it had been a moment between the two of them, or maybe even the three of them and Scott Hall, yeah. I think that would have been a really much better orchestrated kind of legit moment rather than having everybody you, huddle together and do it. Do you think anybody in that ring with the possible exception of X-Pac and Billy Gunn was going to take a step back and not be involved in that given their history, given who they are? Shawn Michaels, take a step back and let someone else have the, the spotlight. Triple H, take a step back and let someone else have the spotlight. I, I don't see that happening. Right. I thought the way it went down was the only way it could have possibly gone down, given what they were trying to accomplish. Here. I, I whatever that was, any of that in the Manhattan Center. So I, but, the fact but, that you know it happened I there is booked, fine. You know what I wouldn't have booked? I wouldn't have booked the revival to come out and have a match against Gallows and Anderson in the middle of this whole two sweet love fest, and then get buried, just squashed by Gallows and Anderson, and then afterwards, afterwards to get up and be, take the finishing move of everybody in DX, one after the other. The old guys, once again, putting themselves over on the young guys. Like WrestleMania 32 with Mick and, and Rock and Stone Cold coming in and wiping yep. out the League of Nations. Yep. It, it, was this, it felt like the same thing again to me. I'm like, you just got the revival back from injury, and you're going to bury them this quickly? Really? For this? For this? For your nostalgia segment? Again, this doesn't advance any storylines. This doesn't, I don't know that it even really helped Finn that much. You know, like this didn't help anybody except the egos of these old dudes in the ring. It, it, was, it was definitely the segment that I wanted to like the most, yep. but ultimately left me feeling the most dirty. I was, you know, there were two things I was looking forward to from Raw 25 in the entire three hour segment. One, I wanted to see Vince and Stone Cold face off again and F and A, I got that at the top of the show, and I was just, I was on cloud nine at the end of that segment. The other thing I wanted was to stand up in my living room as the New Age Outlaws came out and, and chant along, sing along with, with Road Dog as they do the whole thing, like I used to do 20 years ago every freaking Monday when that would happen. And I felt cheated. It happened, but it kind of just meh. Felt meh. Agreed. And I was just like, damn it. You know, I wanted so much more. I wanted this to be such a big spectacle of a thing. And I think the, it, it, again, the intention to have it in Manhattan Center is probably pure to revisit this, the birthplace. But man, it fell short for me. Yeah. I, I, I a lot of things on this show, aside from being, as I said, cheap nostalgia pops, felt, felt low to me. And to have it at two venues, 
I think was a misstep unless you somehow involve the show within the two venues and they have it go back and forth. And they kind of did that after the show, but it wasn't shown on TV. Uh, Cornette made a good point online where he said, why, if you've got two damn venues, how do you not have a match go from one venue and end in the other one? How do you not have that happen? Pull levers on a TV truck and just go back and forth and you've got match after match after match. have some pre-taped footage of people driving down the street and then just have them show up there later and continue the match. Yeah. Oh, that's a good point. Yeah. How do you not have that happen? I, and that's, yeah. Anyway, uh, moving on because we're one more, done. One more thing real well, quick before we move on. Had I done this, play fantasy booking. Hindsight's always twenty twenty, of course, right? Had I done this, I would have had a go-home show of Raw at the Barclays Center and made the Manhattan Center the reunion tour. I would have had all in on one thing. If you want to have a reunion tour at the place of its birth, bring back all the superstars and make that what the event's about. Maybe, maybe not have a match. I would probably not have one. Let all the action happen over at Barclays so you accomplish two things at one time. Well, interestingly enough, you're mostly right because most of the action did happen at Barclays Center, which is one of the reasons why they were just so many angry fans at the Manhattan Center. The biggest news coming out of the Barclays Center, the biggest match, was the match between Roman Reigns and The Miz for the Intercontinental Championship, which, first of all, was a great match, and Roman, once again, proving that he's great in singles matches that mean something and that are main event caliber. Yep. Uh, and proving once again that The Miz can step up his game when he needs to, because this was a super entertaining match. It's what we expected. Uh, Miz had his Stooges running interference a bunch of the, a bunch of the match, but it was done very well. And uh, the ending surprised me because I did not expect The Miz to get that clean of a pin on good old Roman Reigns. I thought he might win the title back. I didn't think he was getting that clean of a victory over Roman. I did. He got he got a about as clean a win as you get over Roman Reigns these days. Roman still had to have all the interference run, uh, and then the turnbuckle pad was taken off, and he took a face bump into the turnbuckle and then ate a finisher and then got pinned. But that was still pretty damn clean. Yeah, I, I love Miz and his antics, the distractions off to the side with the referee and quickly pulling the, the turnbuckle cover off and, you know... Uh, Reigns sold the shit out of that. Yep. Let's be let's oh, be honest that, about that. Oh, he took that. He took that turnbuckle real well. Exactly. And brutal. This I agree. This match, you know, we've we've said we've had Reigns on high marks for a long time about being in the ring, and there was even a promo before the match earlier in the show where he stopped doing the mm, pouty face kind of mm, talky stuff, and just had like a legit like yeah, this this isn't about me. This is I'm going to go defend this Intercontinental Championship. This ain't about the Miz getting his title back. It's about me, mm-hmm. and I, I like that. Okay, yeah. Are we, are we seeing him come around finally? Am I excited to see this evolution potentially finally happening years later? Skeptically optimistic well, again. Uh, uh, moments, moments of brightness. Yeah. Oh, it does not mean the sun's out. Sun is out yet. Yep. But um, one of the aspects of this match I wanted to talk about that was I thought was uh, telling maybe was that at the end, Miz. The, the roof came off the place. I mean, the Miz the, popped the crowd so huge when he won the championship. And I realized, I think, why. It's not just because of the, the general hatred towards Roman Reigns. It's because as far as a storytelling standpoint, and given the way that they have built up Roman Reigns, everyone loves an underdog story. Yeah. And there is no doubt that the Miz was truly the underdog in this match based on what we've been given about That's Roman fair. Reigns. You know what I mean? Yeah. To the, to the point where... 
a lot of people would not have given him a chance to win this title back. He positioned himself as a hungry up-and-comer uh, who was who really wanted this belt. And when he won it, it felt like validation. It felt like vindication. And people responded to that. You know, as much as Miz is good at organically getting heat, and he's one of those heels that are rare these days where even people who appreciate what he does love to boo him. It's not like he gets cheered despite himself you know like people someone like aj styles being heel or the usos being heel where you just can't keep them heel because people want to cheer them so much um miz is someone who even if you love him you want to boo him because he's he's so good at making you boo him uh elias is good at this too where right. you can love his work but still want to boo him rusev another case where no you want to cheer him because he's just so much fun now uh thanks aiden english <laughs> That's also just Rusev as well. But this is the thing. Miz is not that guy. So for him to actually get cheered in this situation, the whole idea originally was that no matter what, Reigns is going to get cheered against the Miz. But yet, because of the dynamic of this match, they like it's so easy to lose that because Roman Reigns, one, is so hated and the Miz is so loved for so many reasons. And so the, you saw the face and heel dynamics flip here, essentially. And, and Miz got cheered for overcoming the odds, which is... He overcame a guy who almost never gets beaten and never gets pinned. Yeah. So I thought that was a that was something about the match that was a takeaway from the match that uh, you know made me go, well, what what did they do wrong with this? They didn't make they didn't let him heal it up enough. Or something because he looked he looked like he was fighting for his life in there. Miz has earned, in my opinion, I'm gonna be I'm gonna state that this is my opinion. Miz has earned that full on tweener status that usually is reserved for top card champions that it's going to be hard to not cheer him even when he's being a dick. He say, "Well, my hand goes up, your mouth goes." They're even starting to chant that now as a thing when he does it yeah. with along with him even though it's a heelish And they're laughing move. while they boo him, you know. Right. Like, so he's reached that status now that has that transcends like traditional heel stuff where he's at that kind of it's just Miz. And but we he does love Miz. he does such traditional heel stuff. Like it's like Vince McMahon turning on the the crowd earlier in the show totally. where he said, you know, it looks cheap just like everyone in Brooklyn. A plaque is what you have on your teeth, you know what I mean? Like And it was half boos and half cheers well, and but half claps. They booed know? the hell out of him. They were like, "Oh, Oh, yeah. Oh, here we go. Yeah. Oh, yes. Bitch. But it's a, everyone's it's a laugh smiling. Yeah, it's a smile. <laughs> it's a smile. Boo. Yeah, that's definitely where Miz is at right now. But uh, here's the question. What? So Miz is now the new IC champ. What does this mean? Is Roman now in the rumble because he's freed up? Well, uh, Miz has already declared and Miz is Miz declared, which, for the is, rumble, interesting. which is weird. You just won the IC belt. <laughs> Uh, well, uh, I even told Jared, uh, if he's listening, uh, before the match or before Raw, that, well, okay, well, that sells it. Reigns is retaining because Miz just declared for the Royal Rumble. And I could totally see them taking a chance on Miz and pushing him up to, uh, up to the top. Uh, but at the same time, there's too much going on up there right now. So I, that was just me saying, oh, if they're going to put Miz in the Rumble, then Roman's got to retain, at least for now. But after that outcome, I kind of went, huh? Okay. Yeah, that's, it I, definitely now, throws a couple Jesus of more, Christ. couple of more spanners into the into the wheels. Yeah. Uh, another thing that I find interesting: Do you think Miz holds the IC championship because this? I mean, he just won it back from Roman. D does he hold it till WrestleMania? And if so, who does he face? I think we've yet to find out. If I'm being honest, can I throw a name in the hat? Go for it, Braun Strowman. Elias. W what? Yeah. I'll throw Elias back at you. Heel against? No, I. I'm going to say Braun Strowman. I'm saying it now, calling it now. Uh, quick, speaking of Elias, 
He had a couple of great segments. He had a backstage segment with Chris Jericho, a returning Chris Jericho, back from New Japan, still wearing his New Japan shirt because Chris Jericho gives zero fucks. Yeah. Still wearing his New Japan shirt and uh, putting Elias on the list for wearing scarves. Uh, this was cute. Jericho's obviously just having the time of his life right now. He's coming back and just, you know, getting back into his cartoony. 2017 might be one of the biggest years of his entire career. If I'm looking between the success of Fozzie with the hit song Judas, with the the stuff coming off with Kevin Owens and the friendship festival Festival of friendship out of last year, uh, his thing with Kenny Omega, New Japan. I mean, just the the now year that dude already legendary match he had with Kenny Omega. Yes. Uh, I mean, yeah, no hell of a year for Jericho and a lot of people, you know, kind of like, isn't this a step backwards to come back to WWE and do this character? I'm like, no, no, this is a, this is a, just a part of who he is. This is, it's great to see him and in a way to give some shine to Elias by being in the ring with him. Speaking of which Elias was in the ring later with another superstar after giving another one of his great songs, John Cena came out to interrupt Elias's song. And uh, after some back and forth, ended up taking a guitar to the back. Elias apparently taking Samoa Joe's role as the guy who's going to be heating up John Cena for the next couple of months. Uh, yeah, that was a, that was fun. That was a part of the show I, I definitely enjoyed. I mean, that was some Jeff Jarrett shit going on in the ring there. He hit the <laughs> shit out of him with he, that thing. Uh, it shattered into a bajillion pieces. Every uh, time I've seen Elias hit someone with a, with, a, uh, with a guitar, whether it's Jason Jordan or whether it's uh, Finn Balor, he hits the out of them with it yeah i'm wondering if those are just prop i mean he's playing it though so I mean, it's... well no he can goes get another guitar from the oh, side oh, fine, or whatever fine. you know it's, but it, the, the, <laughs> the bottom line is is that was a great segment they're obviously very high on elias because he stepped them they stepped him right into samoa joe's shoes here yeah. and so it's very curious to see what happens with him and cena well the next thing we had up was bray wyatt and matt hardy interestingly enough at the manhattan center this was the biggest match they had at the manhattan center no lights out for bray uh, that I can remember. I don't remember the lights coming out, going uh, out. Really. I, to be honest with you, I wanted to forget this whole segment uh, because it was basically, it was Matt getting kind of buried by Bray. They had a bit of a match. It was a two segment match, but at the same time at the end, uh, Bray kicks out of a side effect and then puts him in a sister Abigail. One, two, three, it's done. What? Wasn't, weren't we supposed to blow this off at a pay-per-view or something? Was this a blow-off? What is this shit? I don't know what's Matt happening Matt Hardy on anymore. Twitter says he's, you know, in his woken voice, he says he's going back to the compound and going to get back to his roots, which hopefully means they'll have some, like, old-school woken Matt Hardy compound footage, which might help reinvigorate the Did character. Did he go from woken to broken after losing to Bray? I don't know. Uh, I think they're going to stick with the woken thing to just differentiate it, but... Um, where's Jeff Hardy? We need Brother He was Nero. in the segment with the APA in the background. Remember, he was back there smiling and acting like normal Jeff Hardy. I've been saying it for weeks. This doesn't work without Jeff Hardy. And, I disagree. It could work without Jeff Hardy. They just have done a horrible job with it so far. Fair, fair. And I don't know what the hell's going on with the announcers saying that we have yet to meet Sister Abigail. I'm like, oh, so Bray dressing up in drag, hot topic drag back in October. That wasn't Sister Abigail. I'm waiting for the blackface makeup makeup to come out and just oh, full on God. like lace rags and all kinds of stuff. I'm, it's coming. I, no, it's coming. Oh, God. Ugh, I am not looking forward to that at all. <laughs> I was also not looking forward to the women's four-on-four tag match. Let's get uh, all the women on TV. All the women on TV. Hey, by the way, dude, this is a hey. This is a section actually where they did promote the Rumble. Uh-huh. Hey, look, all the women in the ring. They're throwing each other over the top rope. Ha ha! You this, get it? Just huh? wink, get, wink. Get it? Just like the old commercial. <laughs> get it? Uh, oh. As as someone comes flying out the top story of uh, the Stanford, Connecticut offices. Get it? <sighs> yeah. Uh, no, this was this was an obvious Royal Rumble promotion. There was really no story here. They just they just tussled around for a while until Sasha put Alicia Fox 
uh, in the front face lock and tapped her out. Um, and then, and then, interestingly enough, the, the four face women at the end uh, all celebrating, and then Oscar tosses out the three other ones and turns on him and is in the ring celebrating, kind of going a little heelish, but at the same time showing that she's freaking Oscar, and it's, there's no heel or no face with Oscar. She's just Oscar. It's just Oscar. Yeah. And I'm gonna say they finally clocked onto something for her. Her running around like a badass, just shouting at everybody in Japanese. Just yes. Yep. More of that. Keep more, doing for, that. more for being a psycho, for yes. sure. Yes, yes, yes. Um, yes. Speaking of psychos, uh, we had a, a meeting of the three guys in the triple threat match for this Royal Rumble Sunday. Uh, another Royal Rumble promotion moment, one of the few on this show. This felt like a true go-home segment. Sure. A very mm, half-assed one, but still a go-home segment. Uh, we had Kurt come to the ring with most of the roster, call out uh, Kane and then Braun Strowman, for some reason, the entire uh, roster separated the ring and kept the two apart until Brock Lesnar came out uh, with Paul Heyman, who said that Brock was there to fight, and Brock came down the ring, and the entire rest of the roster said, screw this, and <laughs> just, what was the point of you guys being there? They all took off, and the three of them brawled. Kane took an F5, and then uh, Brock went outside and got power slammed through a table by your boy, Braun Strowman. I, I may have stood up and marked out a little bit when that. Yeah, I had a feeling that that moment was your moment of the week. Yeah, yeah, that was definitely the highlight of the segment. But it also, I think, was telling as far as the match. I did like the part where Bro they were they were facing off with the line of of superstars in the middle of the ring, and then Brock's music kicks, and Brock just comes marching out, hands his belt to Heyman, and just just struts all the way down to yeah. the ring, ready to just murder somebody. And just immediately, F5's Kane. If I wasn't so convinced about the outcome of this match, this would have been more exciting. It's It was, to me, it felt like kind of a gimme, you know, a lazily written little segment like, okay, we need to accomplish this, so blah, 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 bing, bang, boom, one, two, three, it's done, and that's your show. That's what it felt like to me. Um, so that's that was our Raw for this week. Uh, now that we're so deep into the show we're we're gonna be going long this week kids stick with us because there's so much to talk about and we still have so much to talk about as that means we have to go over and talk about smackdown live well smackdown live this week was you know what we would consider the epitome of a lazy go home show i mean it the funny irony is that most of the focus of this week should have been on the things leading to the Royal Rumble this weekend, but it was actually just all about Raw and what went on on the 25th anniversary. They obviously stuff. had a lot of head, a lot of headspace was devoted to Raw this week. Uh, there was a lot of stuff on SmackDown that was directly leading to Royal Rumble, but yeah. I don't feel like it. There, except for one or two small exceptions, there weren't really any things that made the matches on Sunday more heated up, more more fired up, and more more build. Uh, there's definitely a lot of lot of Royal Rumble intrigue that was thrown at us, but nothing that I think really set my wig on fire. Well, let me propose something first. Let's actually go through the rest of the things that happened on SmackDown Live, and then we'll come back to what ultimately culminated in the main event. The big the angle. The, the big, big, the big angle, Daniel right? Bryan, Shane, Sammy, Kevin Owens angle. Okay, we'll come right. back to that. We actually kicked off... We'll kick this off with, uh, I should say, with uh, Nakamura actually cut a promo. A decent one. Yeah, it, it was decent, you know. He's still struggling a little bit with English, but he's getting better, well, I can but, tell. And also, he's not coming across as affected, you know what I mean? Like, yeah. he's actually giving promos that don't seem like he's uh, completely from another world. He's becoming more direct. He's becoming more focused. 
and he's able to keep the kind of the silly stuff toned down when he needs to get serious, which is, as we said before, one thing you need uh, if you're going to be a main event player is to have a time when you're able to be funny if you need to be, if you want to be funny. You know, AJ Styles has comedy moments too, sure. John Cena, everybody. But then there's moments where you need to be able to turn on, you know, turn off the comedy, turn on the serious. And this felt like a good step in the right direction for that. Knee to the face, knee to the face, knee to the face. Yep. I get it. And then Baron Corbin walks in, and I guess we're getting this feud again. Well, and we did. We got the match tonight. Baron Corbin versus Shinsuke Nakamura. Um, in my opinion, though, I think Shinsuke and Baron have some of the best working chemistry that Shinsuke's had on the main roster. I do like him with Baron Corbin. Well, it's just him and Ziggler and Jinder so far, right? And Bobby Roode, right? Oh, no, that was that was NXT. But yeah, uh, but yeah so not a not a big source material. Well, no, and John Cena and Randy Orton. Fine. Um, but Fine. Uh, him, him and Randy were pretty good. But uh, but him him and him and Baron are fine, and they put on a, a fine match. It was I thought it was entertaining. I actually I thought Nakamura was going to win, and as he was lining up for the Kinshasa, literally out of nowhere, Randy Orton with the RKO on Nakamura, and then shortly later on Baron Corbin, and then about as fired up as we've seen Randy in some time, at least a few months. Gets up on the ring post and is posing and just you know yelling and psyched and you know fired up about about everything. Randy obviously sending out a message that uh, he and Shinsuke no longer tag team buddies no. like they were against uh, Kevin Owens and Sammy. We saw so, we saw a little bit of tension between them during the Royal Rumble uh, uh, announcements uh, and around that time we saw a little bit of tension. Here's the payoff. Uh, I, by the way, that is the most out of nowhere RKO I've seen in. A while. And the kudos go to the director of the show for keeping the cameras where they should be to keep him off camera while he's getting in the ring. And also Nakamura for not not showing, not yeah. like giving the eyes over yeah. to, to watch him come in. You know, that was totally. it was good. It's it, And it was celebratory enough that my hair actually got worried that he may actually pull off winning the Rumble again. It's it's not out of the realm of possibility. No, and, no, it's not. And here's the thing is that this definitely sets up some angles for the Royal Rumble. This was, I felt, a good lead into the rumble in the sense that now you've got these three guys who have beef with each other. This, here's a micro story. The the rumbles are all about the micro stories, yep. right? All the little feuds that get brought into the rumble. Here we go. They just jump started a micro feud with two RKOs. Yep. Uh, and uh, two RKOs and a little backstage segment. Boom. Now we have a micro feud. Great. Thought that was actually very well done. That was one of the highlights. Uh, other other angles on the show. Uh, we obviously knew we were going to have a two out of three falls for the tag team championships. Yep. We had a one a singles match, which is of course the classic way to build for a pay per view that really actually means nothing. Jay Uso versus Chad Gable. Uh, Chad Gable, by the way, is he actually God? Is the question I have to ask you, Nick. It, it's it's one of those things where I am in awe of that man every single time he gets into a ring. It's it's very rare for me to just be that awestruck by somebody in professional wrestling, but he's one of those that his physical capability for his size, especially his power comes out of nowhere. Like there's athletes have secret power that in, like in your hips and in your legs that size doesn't really matter. He's one of those examples that he he can find that power to lift and throw around somebody like an Uso. And Northern Lights suplex them, and rolling into a German suplex them. It's mind-boggling. The scary thing about Gable is that he can do everything. Yes. He can do strength moves. He can do mat wrestling. He can fly. He has one of the prettiest moonsaults you'll see. Yep. 
the dude can do every, and he can talk on the mic. He is the full package. Uh, and I mean, it's to me, he's one of those guys that all they have. I mean, if he had three or four more inches in vertical height, he'd already be a main eventer. And the only reason that he's not is because he's a little shorter. And so they had to put him and he just came up in the tag division. So that's where he's been pigeonholed. Well, it was my hope that when they split them up, split up American Alpha and brought Jason to Raw, that was what they were going to do. Yeah, because they, he had those great matches with AJ Styles, oh. which were fantastic. Those are short. I, I would love to go back and just watch those again and be reminded. And if you haven't, if you don't remember those matches, they were some of the better ones of last year. So go back and uh, check them out. Hid, they were hidden gems. They yeah. didn't. They weren't. They ended really quickly and they were a little bit too short. But they were for what they were fantastic. Uh, but yeah, so this match uh, beats Jay Uso pretty soundly. Yeah. I would say possibly as a result of Jay's DUI recently uh. have kind of humble Jay on TV a little bit. Who knows? We'll see exactly how much they're down on the Usos with his gold fangs based on, uh, based on the match on Sunday. But so that was a, that was a little lead into Sunday with this match. Uh, You also had a three on three tag match. You had two members of the new day and Bobby Roode versus Rusev day and Jinder Mahal, which I really can't say mattered at all. I can't say any of this meant anything other than Bobby Roode celebrating being the new U.S. champ. Maybe it was just, what do you call it, just a, another round of the participants from the U.S. title tournament? Uh, uh, great. A little bit of that, like reminding us these guys all kind of have beef with each other and then uh, letting us know that, hey, they'll probably... All, the, uh, the New Day uh, announced they'll be in the Royal, Royal Rumble, so just basically saying, hey, all these guys will be the Rumble. Let's set up some stuff for that. Um, let's have some funny... Let's have some funny bits of comedy between New Day and Bobby Roode, which were fun and entertaining. This was essentially a sports entertainment section, right? A segment, and uh, it was sports entertaining, but it was also meh, disposable. Yeah. Well, then we had a match for in the women's division with Naomi facing off against Liv Morgan, and you know what? I've never been that high on Naomi as as a wrestler, but this was actually a really decent match. She's athletic as hell. I've become I've come around on Liv Morgan, especially. I think she's much better off in singles as being paired with what's going on in the Riot Squad. And I think the I think WWE is coming around on that too because they're definitely yes. pushing her more yep. than they were before. Of the Riot Squad, she's the one that's getting the best looks. I yep. think. Uh, and and she's she's got a long great career ahead of her. Um, so I I, I think this was just the SmackDown version of what they did on Raw to demonstrate the Women's Royal Rumble and set it up. At it, least it they didn't copy me. exactly what they did on Fair. Raw this week and do Fair. a four-on-four. Four. They had a one-on-one -on -one singles match, but then, of course, by the end of it, every other woman was ringside yep. and falling into their little allegiances and alliances. And the, you know, there was a big brawl that happened at the end, and it ended up with Naomi and Becky standing in the ring together, and then Becky trying to throw Naomi out kind of saying, ah, there's no friends in the Royal Rumble, and Charlotte coming out to say, you know, to say hey, I'm I'm Charlotte, and whoever's winning is theoretically facing me. Based, in, based on what we saw on Monday Night Raw, I have to say that whoever's winning is going to face Charlotte because they've established Charlotte as the, the WrestleMania main eventer yep. as far as the women's division. I think they, they essentially have told us that. Well, it'll be interesting if it's Asuka then winning the Women's Royal Rumble match it will, facing it? Charlotte. Yeah. Uh, a lot of, uh, I can't get my head quite around that yet. It hasn't had time to percolate within. But Charlotte coming out not in a robe, but in a full black leather jacket. I thought that was an interesting new look uh, that she might be putting on. Is she going a She's little had bit? that for a while. She's, she's okay. had the jacket for All right. a while. All right, fine. Uh, so I wouldn't, I wouldn't go too uh, crazy about maybe her. Maybe it's a little bit too, too similar with Bobby Roode doing his bright blue robe as well. Ah, uh, yes, the bright blue of SmackDown. If Bobby Roode goes to Raw, does he get a red robe? 
I think so. Just curious. Yeah. Uh, so before we get out of SmackDown, we do have to talk about the main angle, the big angle on the show this week, which was that this week, once again, AJ Styles has put his foot in his mouth and said that he'll face Sammy and Kevin back-to-back if need be just to prove himself. And they picked up on that and said, really? Well, why don't you then? Why don't, why don't we have the main event of the show tonight be AJ Styles versus Kevin Owens and then versus Sami Zayn one after the other? Uh, and, of course, AJ Styles looked flummoxed by this. Daniel Bryan comes out, and before he says anything, AJ Styles cuts him off and says, look, I don't know whose side you're playing on here, but I'll just go ahead and book the match. I know you're going to screw me anyway. So fine, let's do it. And Daniel Bryan goes, okay, fine with me. Which leads to I don't know what Daniel Bryan's doing. It's driving me nuts. Well, I, I, don't, love it. I don't know if they know where they're going with Daniel yet because he's playing it. <laughs> He's playing it where they could go either way, where he could be trying to manipulate everybody and, and be truly heelish and is, and is actually on Sammy and Kevin's side. But it's also they're playing it where he, you know, he might be being misconstrued. Uh, Shane backstage uh, pretty much voiced that he's having problems with Daniel Bryan's ability to lead the SmackDown brand. Uh, a little bit of a step forward there. This has definitely been a, a very long, drawn-out story at this point where we're not getting enough new information. Uh, so it's getting frustrating trying to figure out what really is going on when there's nothing really happening. But it's been such a long build to the Royal Rumble that doesn't surprise me. Uh, it's, it's getting to the point, though, where I'm I'm starting to go, okay, I need to, I need I, some delivery on this. Dollars to, dollars to dimes, we're going to see some sort of Daniel Bryan involvement in the finish of the, uh, the title match on Sunday. Um, but that being said, we did end up having the, the double main event uh, AJ Styles in two matches against both Kevin Owens and Sami Zayn. This went down because not, AJ Styles because, because AJ, he can. because he's God. Uh, <laughs> but here's the thing: what was interesting about this is that it wasn't actually that much of a big deal as far as him trying to do two matches at one uh, at one after the other because the Kevin Owens match ended up ended very quickly when Kevin went for a running cannonball, tweaked his leg, and then AJ Styles put him in the calf crusher. And uh, he tapped out almost immediately. Well, let's also say, uh, call attention to the fact that Shane McMahon came out before the first match with Kevin and said, Sammy, if you get anywhere near the ring, then you're going to be fired instantly. During the match. During the match. That, that ended up being a non-factor. It, ad- it added a little bit more kind of pepper to the soup, if you will, yeah. but it didn't really end up mattering in the matches sure. that much. Uh, I was waiting for something. So you said Kevin got put in the calf crusher. Well, but I think that the more relevant thing was that earlier in the show that Kevin Owens and Sammy said that they weren't just going to beat AJ on on Sunday. They were going to hurt him. And so he came back and said, well, you know what? I'm going to have these matches with you later on tonight, and I'm going to beat you, and I'm going to hurt you as well. And sure enough, right out the gate, Kevin Owens tweaks his leg, and AJ puts him in the calf crusher and doesn't release it after Kevin Owens gives up. Um, and then, you know, quote-unquote, injures Kevin Owens and sends him to the outside. Sammy immediately jumps. As soon as the bell rings, Sammy immediately jumps in the ring and attacks AJ. Uh, and this is the most fired up we've seen Sammy in a while. He was mm-hmm. he was he had some some serious anger going on there, and they were brawling for a while. He threw AJ into the stairs, and uh, there was a big brawl before their match even started. And then uh, while Kevin Owens is being tended to on the outside, they're trying to put him on the gurney. AJ and and Sammy have this very aggressive very high energy match, which I thought was uh, that really built for me. That built the feud a lot more. First of all, it's the most competitive we've seen Sammy in a long time. He's, long he's won time. some, he's won, he's won a couple matches against AJ, but, uh, but most of the time it's been through some sort of shenanigans. 
This time he he was kicking out of moves. He was he was much more aggressive. He was able to pull out some of his old moves we haven't seen in a while. Um, the uh, the tightrope walk, uh, tornado DDT he pulled out. So there was a this was I thought a, a very entertaining match. What I thought was interesting was we were just talking about heel and face dynamics on Raw. In this match, I felt like AJ was working a little bit more heel. Because he kept, first of all, he injures Kevin Owens and then doesn't let go of the calf crusher. Now, granted, he did say he was going to injure people and he's going to, he's going to go hurt him. He's mad. But then during the match itself, when Sammy's laid out for some reason, you know, whether it be knocked out, you know, knocked him down. And then he would, AJ would leave the ring and go attack the defenseless Kevin Owens outside and try to injure him some more. And he did it twice. And the second time he did it, he gets back in the ring, eats a haluva kick, and then a blue thunder bomb for the one, two, three, and loses to Sammy. So his heelish tactics cost him this non-title match against Sammy Zayn, and I, I and Sammy was acting like a face because he was trying, he was fired up and trying to get revenge for this guy injuring his friend. I had the exact same sentiments. I was like, wow, okay, those are some really heelish things that AJ's doing here, like Mr. Superface yeah. uh, is doing this kind of stuff. This is interesting. Are we completely flipping this on its head? Well, and I'm all for the idea no of... No pun intended, Kevin Owens. I'm all for the idea of if you have a couple of tweeners, you know, you give their fan bases a reason to root for each of them and a reason to argue against the other one. But right. in this one, AJ is so over and they've done such a... Uh, they've done such a, a fundamental job of making Kevin and Sammy uh, uh, kind of unlikable or annoying or whatever that to have this suddenly be a new dynamic, it, it felt it felt very out of nowhere. It didn't entirely make a lot of sense. I liked it because I'm still so stuck in the Sammy Zane as face mode, and obviously Sammy plays better as a face. He's more used to it. Yeah. Um, but this was it was it was a, it was a little bizarre. I actually thought coming out of this. Uh, that that would be the legit injury angle that would take Kevin Owens out of the match on Sunday, and we would end up having a championship match between Sami Zayn and AJ Styles, which, if the match we saw this Tuesday night was any indication, would be a phenomenal match for a pay-per-view. What What if I told you that Kevin's, Kevin's actually legit injured? He is. I did not know that. Yeah, this okay. was an injury angle to cover his actual injury. Oh. Yep. Uh, okay but as far as how injured he is it has not been released we're not really we're not really sure this is probably a way to make it so that he will have less involvement in the match on sunday with a with a with a for a reason that will give us a reason so he's not so injured he can't compete but he's injured enough he can't compete at the top level so this will give us a reason for him to sell his leg uh and get through the match so that that is that is from what i understand the reason for this particular booking well, hey, speaking of Sunday and the championship match, let's head over and talk about our Royal Rumble picks. Uh, leading off with what we think so far the pre-show will be, Ascension facing off against The New Day. But wait, that will not be the pre-show. You know how I know that? How's that? I went on YouTube and I watched Fashion Files because that's the only way to watch Fashion Files anymore. Uh, Come and the, on, And creative. the Ascension and, Fa and uh, Breezango were having a nice little montage of Ascension training up for, for Rusev Day. Yeah. Um... Yeah, except at the end, the uh, Breezango told them, oh, by the way, I don't know why we trained you guys up because we don't really have a match. We can't make matches. We just told you you had a match because we thought it was funny. But we don't actually have a match. We can't make <laughs> matches. End of segment. Uh, okay, so, so is it going to be Bludgeon Brothers and Rusev? Day? I have no idea. The only matches that have been announced are the ones that we're about to go over. Uh, and that the number one one we have to talk about is the two out of three falls for the SmackDown Live Tag Team Championships, the Usos 
versus Chad Gable and Shelton Benjamin. Uh, who do you have for this one, Nick? Oh, God, this is tough. This is so <laughs> tough. The Usos are so such strong tag teams. Chad Gable is an amazing wrestler, and I'm a Shelton I'm, Benjamin I'm is not exactly. Fan. He's not. He's not chopped liver either. Shelton's not there yet, though. What? What do you mean there yet? He's not. He's not Usos he's Chad there. Gable level yet. He's been there. Not for me. Oh my! So in a two out of three falls scenario, I think the chemistry between the Usos holds sway and the Usos retain. I very very close small margin though. You know what? I, I, I tend to agree with you. I think that it's not time yet for Gable and Benjamin to have the championships. Uh, I could see an upset here, partially because of the DUI thing, if they're feeling like being petty, uh, or if they want to shake up the tag division. But uh, I tend to agree with you. I don't think Gable and Benjamin are quite there yet. Um I'm not going to say I'm 100% convinced it'll be the Usos because I'm not at all. Like Me you said, either, it's to be fair. a very close one. Yeah. Uh, but just to be safe, I too will pick the Usos. All right. Well, hey, over on the Raw side of the house, we've got another tag team title match between Seth Rollins and Jason Jordan facing off yet again against the bar. Who you got? You know, I, at this point, I uh, this is a tough one for me because I can I can argue either way. I think Seth and Jason, if their tag team is falling apart, it's going to be more interesting if they have the belts and it takes a longer time to fall apart. Or if they want to jumpstart it, they can have them lose it now. The problem is, is that the bar and them have been going back and forth for so freaking long. I don't know how many more matches we can have between the two. So either... Seth and Jason drop the titles here and continue their little feud somewhere else uh, or the and the bar and the bar take them the titles and then start a feud with somebody else. I don't although I don't know who that would be because they don't really have anyone else in the in the raw tag division right now. Um, <clears throat> possibly Gals and Anderson. Yeah, but uh, again, you could also have Gals and Anderson versus Seth and JJ. That feud could go on for longer and end up in, in a match at WrestleMania between the two of them. Yeah. Um, I don't know. You know, I'm going to I'm going to say I would rather see Seth Rollins and Jason Jordan drop the belts and have the bar have them and, and build up another team to face the bar. Um, I'm going to pick the bar. I, I, I am. I'm a I'm a coin flip on this match. I'm just going to pick the bar for sake of argument. There's one thing that swayed me to agree with you and pick the bar to take the titles here. I think the Seth Rollins and JJ tag team thing might have been a very quickly thrown together, arguably failed experiment at this point. I don't think it's failed at all. I think uh, they're, I think JJ is getting just I, the moves I, they want I, to. Can I do my I'm just saying. fantasy book? Sound? I think what they're going to do here is drop the belts that sets up a feud between Seth Rollins and Jason Jordan that will lead them to a singles because singles feud because it doesn't make sense for either one of these teams to do anything else really if they don't have belts. And I think the bar is a better team to have the belts, and I see a feud kind of brewing here between Jordan and Seth Rollins. You know what, and, I, and that was that is my point, that, that there was a, 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 fru, a feud brewing. You may have just convinced me to go the other way, though, because I don't think the, f the feud has brewed enough yet. Oh, okay. I think they retain, and the feud continues to brew, to, to brew with the tag titles involved. So okay. I'm actually going to change my pick. Yeah, you do that. And uh, I I will. I will. And we'll see what happens. 
Uh, <laughs> I'll remember your tee when I win. <laughs> I don't know. Uh, all right. So we also have the two-on-one handicap match for the WWE Championship from SmackDown. Kevin Owens, an injured Kevin Owens, and Sami Zayn versus AJ Styles. If Kevin Owens and Sami win, they say that they're going to go on record as being the first co-champions in WWE history. I don't know how they passed that opportunity up to do that. And that's the only reason, only reason I could see for something that kind of monumental that they would ever take it off of AJ Styles at this point. I could not agree more. Prior to three months out of WrestleMania, how are you going to do that? So, yes. Uh, and if Kevin Owens is legit injured, that now sets up a uh, Zayn and Styles run to WrestleMania. I can get behind that. What? Yeah. I, I, I mean, if they're going to go back and forth like this, if they're going to put the belts, if they're going to do the co-WWE champions and they're going to have, and Kevin Owens is legit injured, he's going to have to go rest up or whatever. Now you've got Sami Zayn and Kev and uh, AJ Styles in a feud, right? Back and forth for the WWE I think, championship. I think Kevin would still be ringsider in some capacity, but yes. Well, I, we don't know the extent of his injury yet. He may have to true. have surgery. So Who knows? I, Who knows? I'm, I'm, I'm assuming at this point that he's going to have to miss some time. That's why I'm operating on. So, yeah, I'm going to take a chance here as much as I love AJ Styles and bet on them uh, taking a shot at this monumental occasion to have a co-WWE champion. Yeah, and to be to be honest with you, I would love to see Kevin Owens and Sami Zayn as the co-WWE champion. That would be such a cool thing to have in the history books. As a longtime fan of Sami Zayn and Kevin Owens. Uh, what if they so cut the belt in half? So appropriate. Oh, my God. <laughs> that would Just be to be <laughs> dicks. It would be so good. That would be that would be damn good TV. But uh, I, and and I would love to see that. I think that would be such an appropriate thing for these two guys to be co-champions, and it would make me very excited. And they would have enough time to get the title back on AJ yeah. because I think I, I don't know if there's anyone who doesn't think that it would be a better idea to have AJ going into WrestleMania as the WWE champion uh, and have a championship match at WrestleMania. Um, or, I mean, either have him go in as champ or go in as uh, the contender for the championship. I mean, now here's an interesting speculation that just I just came up with. What if he loses this match with Kevin Owens and Sammy and then comes in number 30 at the Rumble and wins? Mm. And then Kevin Owens and Sammy can lose it to whoever down the road. And then AJ can then fight for the championship at WrestleMania. I hadn't thought of that uh, until just now. But anyway, speculation. But uh, I definitely... You know, in my heart, I do want Kevin Owens and Sammy to win this belt and be co-champions. I just think that that would be too complex uh, right now, given all the storylines they're trying to weave here. Yeah. I'm going to go eh, against my better judgment. I'm going to go for AJ on this one. Gotcha. Well, hey, next up, we've got the triple threat for the Universal Championship. Oh, boy. <laughs> oh, boy. Brock Lesnar faces, defends against the Braun Strowman and Kane. And this has been pretty much what they've been building everything to on Raw for the last couple of weeks. Like, all the big segments have been for this. months. Yeah. Uh, As I said, there's a long build to this this pay-per-view. Uh, I'm going to let you go first. What? Yep. Well, I read the thing off, so you go. You pick first. Oh, okay. Easy. Brock. Okay. Um, well, we kind of <laughs> all knew that was going to be the answer I, anyway. I, I have been saying for a long time, I feel like we're just on a, a train track to WrestleMania. Brock's going to continue to hold the Universal Championship. I don't think there's any, I mean, even if there is an elegant way here to take it off of him without him being pinned or submitted, he would have to win it back by WrestleMania. And if Braun is the man who takes it off of him, at some point, he's going to have to beat Braun straight up. 
uh, to get it back. I think it's just better to have Braun get tied up outside the ring or just miss his chance and Kane take the pin and Brock retain while keeping Braun looking strong here. And then Braun can go off and do whatever else Braun wants to do, whether it be destroy sets, flip cars, or go after the IC title. Okay, fair enough. Uh, I have done some research over the last week oh. or so. I have broken out the internet. Oh, have okay? you? Uh, I am going to come around and say, just looking at numbers, as much as everybody wants me to pick Braun Strowman, as much as everything in my heart wants me <laughs> to pick Braun Strowman, here's the thing. It must be written in Brock Lesnar's contract that for him to appear, he must be champion. Somewhere. Uh, that has to be written somewhere because he's not been in you did, you WWE. Did the, you did the research. I understand. I can't find his contract. Oh, Jesus Christ. <laughs> What I do know is that his contract is good through WrestleMania. Correct. Right? Which is where you have speculated and many have speculated all along, which is where he would ultimately drop the belt to Roman Reigns. I haven't speculated. I asserted. Fine. Whatever that is. That for that reason only, I, I I have to be safe because this is a contest. I have to use brains over heart and say yes. Brock Lesnar is going to retain as much as I want Braun to do it, and I think you laid it out perfectly. There's no need to regurgitate it. Braun's going to get distracted. Brock's going to retain. Man, as much as I went for Seth and JJ earlier as a as a as a like a or AJ as a guess bet, and you're just, you're just going to go with your trying to win here. Yeah. Really. Yeah. All right. Yeah. Well, there's still more chances for one of us to win because we have to go talk about the first of the two Royal Rumble matches. We'll talk about the women's match first. Who do you have winning this Royal Rumble match out of the 30 entrants? Asuka. 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 All in on Asuka. All in on Asuka. Um, I think some surprise entrants. We could see uh, Bianca Belair come up. I she had a really great time on NXT this week. We'll talk about that. Uh, she's been just. She looks. She's the package. Um, I wouldn't be surprised if we saw some other NXT ladies show up, and I wouldn't be surprised if we had two or three what you would call legends show up just to be able to be in the ring. You know, you could throw a Trish Stratus in there. You could throw a Beth Phoenix who's been calling matches for the Mixed Match Challenge, making her presence felt again. So there are some that, that are there. As far as winning, though, for me, it's going to be Asuka. You know, and here's the thing. I actually think... Uh, that that would be the best case scenario, especially if here's here's what I was thinking earlier is if Oscar wins the Royal Rumble, gets a title match at WrestleMania, main event title match at WrestleMania, wins the Raw Women's Champion between now and then, and then you have a champion versus champion match, Oscar versus Charlotte at WrestleMania, oh. not for the not for the titles, for Oscar's streak and for Charlotte's dominance of the women's division. Stop it. I think that is the best case scenario for the women's division. Now, that Completely being said, agree. that being said, that kind of precludes any other meaningful women's match on the card. If you have two championships, you can have two championship matches in the women's division at WrestleMania. And I think on a show that's going to be that big, that's probably a more attractive proposition in terms of filling the space. That being and, and having more women's matches on the card because it's right. going to look better. But I, I really think the Oscar Charlotte champion versus champion scenario is the most exciting. That being said, I'm going to go out on a limb here because I'm throwing all kinds of caution to the wind on this episode. And I'm going to say that Ronda Rousey is going to come in and win this Royal Rumble. What? Even though she did just say on Twitter that she's heading to Columbia or somewhere to, to film a movie and will not be there at the Royal Rumble. That's, you know, I, you can't believe that crap when it comes to kayfabe. So I'm going to go way out on a limb. You lost your damn mind. I have lost oh. my damn mind. Oh, boy. But you know what? But again, realistically, I hope Asuka wins. Oh, okay. 
fine. I mean, do you, I, I said Ronda Rousey. Is there any other surprise entrance you think are going to be there, like a Trish Stratus or? A- well, I said that. I think some lemons, some lemons, some legends might be there. Um, a, a Trish Stratus or a Beth Phoenix, the Glamazon might show up. Might get a Jacqueline, might, you know, might show up just to put their foot in the ring and to take a tumble over the top ropes and say that they were a part of the first ever women's Royal Rumble match. Not really to get in there to be a contender sure i I definitely think there will be some uh some people from the past some women from the past plus some nxt surprises uh i wouldn't be surprised if if nikki showed up uh nikki cross right uh i wouldn't be surprised if if they can't get ronda rousey depending on what happens on on saturday night i wouldn't be surprised if like a shana shana baszler uh shows up or a candace LeRae. Or or Kyrie Sane if she's not legit injured, which I think she might be. Mm, okay. But uh, anyway, so there's lots of options there. There's also lots of options over on the men's Royal Rumble. Yes. Who do you have winning this one? This this is a wide open field this year, which is a good thing. Oh man. I um, mean, let, let's let's talk let's talk real quickly before we make our picks about people who have the potential of winning because there's obviously people in here that have. Zero percent chance of winning. Aiden English and and uh, the members of the New Day right. and well, you have to look t- Ty that- Dillinger. You know they, those guys, those guys are not winning the Royal Rumble. People like John Cena, Randy Orton, Shinsuke Nakamura, Finn Balor, Roman Reigns. Those are people that uh, the Miz even on an outside chance. Those are people that could win this. Is there anyone else that I'm missing? Do you think that could come in the Royal Rumble and win? Baron Corbin. You think Baron Corbin could win? He could. He has in the past. Really? He could. I'm not saying he's going to. He could. Oof. I'd say he's he's a less chance than the Miz, but uh, yeah, he's definitely not a zero percent. I'll agree with you on that. Um, I think I I made my pick a few weeks ago. I think back before New Year's when I started really laying stuff out, and I think John Cena is going to win the Rumble. It, it's a stretch, um, and I think he needs uh, one last championship match. I don't think it's going to be the the Brock Roman match. I think it's going to be on the SmackDown side to get his seventeenth. But I think John Cena is going to pull this off and have his 17th championship win at WrestleMania. That's, that's my thought. And I, I think that that would not be the worst choice they could make. The worst choice they could make would be Roman Reigns. Yeah. Because at this point, they can still have Roman win Elimination Chamber and get a title shot at WrestleMania, and they don't have to have him win again in the Royal Rumble uh, for what the fourth time third or fourth time in yeah, five he, years if he or randy orton win another royal rumble this weekend i'm gonna i'll, I'll flip if a they table. haven't learned their lesson from the last time that roman reigns won the royal rumble in philadelphia where the rock got booed they were so mad at roman reigns winning they booed the freaking rock while he was holding up roman's hand that's if they haven't learned from that, if they're going to come back in here, be bullheaded and say, like with the XFL, we're going to try this sucker again until you like it, uh, I'm, uh, they're going to burn the building down. And it's going to do, <laughs> okay. It will do irreparable damage to Roman Reigns going into WrestleMania if they try to force that down our throat again. Uh, I think Roman Reigns would be the least uh, positive winner they could have. They could, you could, Baron Corbin could win and it would be a better reaction than Roman Reigns yes. at this point. You know what I mean? Um, I, I think Randy Orton also would get a better reaction than Roman, although he did win last year to kind of a meh, like a, well, at least it wasn't Roman response. Um, but I think that two years in a row, we'd be getting closer to the Roman level of response. People go, oh, Randy again. Yeah, great. You know, great. Way to, way to build a new star. Uh, I think that John Cena, uh, your pick, I think would be a option that would not go over as poorly as Randy Orton or Roman Reigns, 
but it wouldn't be no one would be ecstatic about it. yeah it would be it would be kind of like uh hogan winning it for the third time it's sure. just kind of like eh, great you know whatever fine we all because we all know what that would mean as you said it's john cena going for his record number of championships yep. So that is more of a compelling story than anything you could possibly get, frankly, out of Randy Orton or or Roman Reigns going into this. Um, that being said, they have like as as I was just running on the list there, they have a really solid, uh, let's call it an undercard of guys who potentially who are on that cusp, who could win it and create incredible amounts of fan reaction and give you a good uh, match at WrestleMania that would feel WrestleMania worthy. Finn Balor, Shinsuke Nakamura are the two that popped to my head really quickly. I I feel like they may have damaged Shinsuke's character too much to have Shinsuke uh, be the most logical choice. I don't know that they're ready to pull the trigger on him, although they could definitely rehab him in time for WrestleMania season very quickly. Yeah, um, that's putting a lot of eggs in one basket. Though. It really is. And I, I think Shinsuke would be one that would get a good reaction from the crowd uh, if he did win, especially in Philadelphia, he that that would be a very very popular winner. Yeah. Uh, even if it might not have the general reaction that WWE wants, they would have to put in more work for Shinsuke. I think. Um, but they would have to. Frankly, I think it would be less work than the damage control they'd have to do if they let Roman win. Uh, Finn, I think, is the most likely of those undercards because he's poised at the place where he's almost been given that major superstar push. You know what I mean? He's almost there. He's been getting a little more love lately ever since the whole fiasco with Kane. Uh, I think that they positioned him now with the Balor Club where, you know, you can have a compelling story going into WrestleMania if he decides to go against AJ Styles, which I think is the conventional wisdom. Uh, I, I, I don't know. I still, I think I would, as a mark, I'd prefer Shinsuke Nakamura, but I'm going to go with my pick being Finn for the Men's Royal Rumble. Wow. Okay. Um, I'm just going to say, okay, <laughs> don't, that's, wow, really, <laughs> yep. man, yep. uh, I, I, look, we've known for a long time that it's going to be Brock and Roman, at least I say known doing air quotes. We've known for a long time that they've been looking for an opportunity to get Cena his record over flares 16, which he's tied at currently to get Cena his 17th. I think having Brock Lesnar and Roman Reigns on the raw side and AJ Styles and John Cena on the SmackDown side at WrestleMania is is just what those matches are going to be. Yes. And, and I, I that's why I think Roman Reigns is inevitably going to get there on his own. That's why I think Cena needs the Royal Rumble match win to get there. Uh, and I can see how in storyline that would be the most logical way to get to that conclusion. And never let it be said that WWE is anything if not short-sighted. Yeah. Uh, and that would be the most short-sighted booking I could possibly imagine is let's give this guy who's now officially a part-timer a WrestleMania win over the guy that should be the immediate future of our company and not elevate the guy who should be the future of our company, AJ Styles, by having him have a win at WrestleMania. You know what I mean? Or Finn, have him have a win at WrestleMania. Either one of those guys, if you want to elevate them to superstar status, you have to have them have this win. John Cena doesn't need another freaking win. It would be a feel-good moment that would be dissipated within six months and then you're left with a whole bunch of other people who feel less because you didn't give them the opportunity in that one instant to feel bigger to be bigger and i think that if john cena wins this royal rumble it's wwe once again shooting themselves in the foot and being wildly short-sighted 
uh, and living in the past as opposed to planning for the future. Yeah, but it's just two big check boxes we have to check off this year at WrestleMania. It, we, I don't think seen as a given this year for for that uh, seventeen. I, well, I doubted it too because there had been speculation about Cena and Taker at WrestleMania as a thing uh, this year. But then after seeing Taker on Monday, I'm like, yeah, no, they're not doing that. No, that's not happening. I've heard people speculate Undertaker will be in this Royal Rumble, and I was like, that guy can barely get under the ropes, let alone go right. over the ropes at this point. <laughs> no, that ain't happening. <laughs> well, Ian, who do you think is... Uh, we did this for the ladies. Who's going to be some surprise entrance for the men's side? I've got two names that I am 90% to 100% are going to be coming out okay. as surprise entrance, and people you don't expect. The first name I'm going to throw out, he just pulled out of a, a indie booking this weekend out of nowhere. Uh, and I have a feeling because I thought he was going to show up on takeover, but now that that hasn't been booked, unless it's a last minute booking, they throw it as the day of the show. Uh, I have a feeling he'll definitely be coming out in the rumble and that's Pete Dunn, the UK champion. Really? Yep. Oh, that would be fantastic. It'd be great. I would love to see him come out for this. Uh, I'm going to throw Ricochet into, into the mix. I think we could have a surprise entrant just to, as a debut of sorts, uh, to get some heat behind him. Uh, as he starts his career in the WWE over in NXT. I got another one for you. Okay. EC3 recently released from, or got his contract released from uh, TNA, from, TNA, from Impa- yeah. Impact. Uh, he's on the, he's been to the Performance Center. Uh, I think EC3 is a strong, strong possibility to have the kind of AJ Styles entrance. Uh, the same kind of, you know, out of nowhere, holy crap, I can't believe he's here kind of entrance. Yeah, I'll throw Killian Dane in there. Uh, as a, It's more of an expectation that I'll be surprised if he's not in it, if he doesn't make an appearance. Um, because I'll, I'll double down and say Lars Sullivan. Oh. If, uh, if you're going Killian Dane, I'll go Lars. Oh, I love it. Hey, I'll throw one extra one in there at you just so we both have three, right? Velveteen Dream. Oh, I think he could come up. Uh, he just had an amazing match, which we'll, we'll talk about here in a little bit. Uh, I think he could be a really dynamic, high flyer kind of addition to the Royal Rumble. And I don't know. Power. If I would love to see that. I just don't know if he's ready to go over the top rope at this point. And they they, they should give that guy a rocket. Yeah. Speaking of strap and rockets, I, you know we haven't mentioned any any classic guys in the match. I have to throw in there Christian. I think Christian might might come in to okay. get popped over the rope. He did just appear on on Raw. That's so. what I'm, that's what made me think about it. Is uh. like wow, yeah, because yeah, we did, none of us have said any like classic wrestlers coming back, which they they do like to do every once in a while. They have a big enough roster now; they don't need to do it. Yeah, but it's always nice to see like you know that time that Bubba Ray Dudley came out of nowhere, or Hacksaw Jim Duggan, or Tatanka the one year. Uh, well, maybe not that one, but. <laughs> Okay. You know what I mean? Yeah, like, I do. Do, like, do you have any classic guys you, you think are going to come back? There has been whispers of a potential Hogan return. No. And I, as much as I do not want to believe that that could be real, there is part of me that goes, I don't know. Man, Maybe. Ma- Macho Man Randy Savage is more of a likelihood of showing up in this Royal Rumble than Hulk Hogan. And if Hogan comes out, I want you to repeat that. On, okay, <laughs> okay. We'll, we'll replay week. it. I'll put that as a stinger so that we can just All right, just play you, it. you called Hulk. You're in there for it. All right. All right. Man. So that is our picks for the Royal Rumble pay-per-view match. But there's not only one pay-per-view this weekend. There's two. But in order to talk about the other pay-per-view, we have to go talk about NXT. This week, NXT kicked off with... One of the more theatrical promo segments that I've ever seen in NXT uh, with Velveteen Dream, I guess with a green screen and a bunch of purple smoke and had his back turned to the camera. Oh, the it was time. great. I mean, this is something that I, it looks like he's been working on this for a while. And I have to say, I don't know if it's other people or if it's him coming up with the ideas for these things. 
but he's finding so many layers and levels and interesting things to do with this character. It's not just a one note, like tweaking gender ideals kind of character. This is so much going on with this character. Um, And he sets up his match that he has at the end of the show with Johnny Gargano for the number one contendership spot. I can't say enough good things about Velveteen Dream. The guy has the look. He has the character. He believes in the character. He can wrestle his ass off. Uh, everything, everything. And he's only freaking 22 years old. Unbelievable. Yep. There's no reason this guy will not be a superstar. After this, we kicked things off with a match between a couple of guys we hadn't seen in a long time. No Way Jose facing off against Cesar Bononi. Yeah, Cesar Bononi looks like the, the ultimate prototypical WWE guy, just with less charisma and less talent. Right. Uh, and No Way Jose has a lot of charisma, and he's good in the ring, and I like the fact that he is a kind of a goofy character as far as the dancing and everything, but he gets serious very quickly, yeah. and he can be a very vicious competitor in the ring, but he's... I don't know. The the heat is kind of off of him for me. Like I I don't I'm not as excited by him anymore. He just is coming back from injury. Uh, I need him to I need him to do something. He's yeah. got to do something other than beat Cesar Bononi. This match didn't really do that much for me. It was one of those where I was like, okay, this happened. It was a, it was decent. It was about what you would expect from these two guys. Moving on. Yeah, we had a couple of matches this week that were just one of those. Those were was what it was kind of matches. We had yeah. a couple of squash matches. We had uh, Bianca Belair versus Luscious Latasha, um, <laughs> in kind of a nothing match. That was just one more example of Bianca Belair being a monster, uh, and and another example of her using her hair as a weapon that that looked and sounded great. Uh, might be a way of reminding us that she exists for when she comes out at the Royal Rumble. Uh, that would be my guess yes, uh, as to why we had this squash match. We also had a squash match between the uh, contenders for the tag team titles this weekend. Uh, Authors of Pain came out and murdered a couple of uh, guys who looked like mm, jumped up garden gnomes, yeah. I would say. Uh, they were so small yeah. standing next to AOP. Poor I think guys. They, they would have been small in a Lucha, Lucha Libre league. <laughs> oh, man. Uh, they got destroyed. The, the bell never actually even rang, yeah. if I remember right. They just got uh, Death Valley drivered at the same time into op- opposing corners, and then they got the Super Collider in the middle of the ring after a massive promo by both Occam and Razor. So. Yeah, and, they, and they're doing bilingual promos, both of them speaking in their native tongue and as well as, as English, uh, and they don't have to say much. They both, ha- they both are great looking on the mic. And, you know, they, they give very simple sentences. You know, we're coming for you, blah, whatever. I cower in my chair when they, when they yell at me. I think it's, I think it's Rezar, who's uh, the Punjabi guy. Yeah. yeah. Uh, his face when he's giving those lines, man, he emotes something pretty. Uh, it's yeah, both of those guys, I think they're getting, they're starting to get used to being on the mic and giving their own promos. Cause I don't think if they get called up, I don't think pretty Paul is going on, uh, on the road with them. I don't think he's going to be able to do that. But I think the fact that we are seeing them start to speaking is an indicator that they're about to go up. And, you know, we were just talking about the Royal Rumble. They're one that I would throw in there as well, potentially as maybe showing up on Sunday. Potentially. I think it's, I think it's an outside chance. Yeah. Uh, and just a quick correction. I did say pretty Paul, I meant to say pretty precious Paul Ellering. <laughs> oh, very nice. Just to, just to clarify. We also saw a, a hype segment between Ember Moon and Shayna Baszler. Uh, we had uh, Percy Watson actually do a very good job of yeah, interviewing. Nice suit. Nice interview. Uh, just a good presentation. Like We've been kind of down on him on, on, on commentary for a while, but, but he's surrounded by Nigel McGuinness and Mauro Ronaldo. So it's, I mean, you talk about a minnow swimming with whales. 
but he's definitely grown into himself a lot more on the commentary table. And here in the interview section uh, segment, he was great. As were, I thought, Shayna Baszler and Ember Moon. They were very good at setting up the match, the reasons for it, why Ember was calling out Shayna, what Shayna's character is, which is basically the I don't give a crap about any of you. Um, I'm just here to kick ass and take names and wreck dreams and... Yeah, I don't care what the the NXT Great. universe thinks. Mm-hmm. Uh, they're just gonna have to get used to it. And I thought, and just walks off set. And I was just like, yes. Yep, I liked yes. uh, I liked the stare down. I liked the the intensity. I liked the I liked Ember Moon just being ready to jump her yeah. uh, for beating up her friends and trying to break uh, Dakota Kai's arm. Uh, even Ember Ember was so in character. I liked the fact that when they did stand up at each other, uh, Percy tried to to grab Ember to calm her down, and just she naturally shook off his arm. In such a in such a you know strong way that and it seemed very natural and sub- I was like yeah she's she's there she's in character this was a great segment made me more hyped for a match that I was kind of not on my radar yeah um, speaking of that on the radar what do you think about the TM sixty one segment I absolutely loved this because I had forgotten how good these guys were if you go all the way back to the Dusty Rhodes Classic um, we got to see I cannot remember which one his name that got injured. Uh, but it was he ended up tweaking his knee in that match and then continued on just like the tough son of a bitch that he is and continued to fight and continued to fight until they finally ran into the revival who, you know, injured, finally took his knee out and he was out for six to seven months. We're finally getting TM61 back in the ring. They're going to be in action next week on NXT. But this week on NXT, we had a killer match, as we said before, between Johnny Gargano and the Velveteen Dream. And unsurprisingly, these guys tore the house down. And I didn't realize this. This I thought we had already had a tournament to determine the number one contender, but this was technically a number one contenders match. It was, and I like the build to this, where Johnny won the tournament, or he won the, the fatal four-way for the right. number one contendership. Uh, but then, you know, because people are questioning his ability to deliver, they're questioning his resolve. Uh, Velveteen in particular says, you know, you didn't, earn, you didn't really earn this spot. And Johnny basically said, really? prove me wrong and gave him a title opportunity last week uh, in a very well done segment where Regal even said like I would advise Johnny not to do this um, it's great it, it's build, it builds but into, it's Johnny wrestling and of course he's going it to it builds into Johnny's awesome babyface character yeah. we were we were bitching while we were watching this match that the main the main roster cannot build good babyfaces yeah. whereas NXT seems to be able to do it without even trying they excel at it yeah they excel at it you had Excellent babyface after excellent babyface in NXT. Uh, and Johnny Gargano is just the latest iteration of that. A babyface that even jaded wrestling fans can cheer unironically and really get behind. He, he brings that classic white meat babyface fire to the ring. He's a competitor. And it's going to be so much better when uh, on, sun, on Saturday when what I think is going to happen happens. It's going to be such a great completion to this story. But anyway, yes, Velveteen and Johnny had a fantastic match. Johnny pulls off the win after eating some monster moves, including a a top rope Death Valley driver from Velveteen Dream. Uh, This is a great match. Psychologically, I started off with some killer mat wrestling. The crowd was hyped for it. Yeah, another killer main event on an NXT weekly show. Well, where does this leave us going into TakeOver then? Well, I, as far as Johnny Gargano, uh, they got confronted by Cien Almas after the match. And we reestablished that, yes, he and Cien do not like each other at all. They have a long history of not liking each other. Uh, and this will be a killer match 
come Sunday. The only question I had coming out of the show is, didn't we have a whole thing where Lars and Killian Dane and Roddy Strong all challenged each other? Yeah. Didn't that happen? Uh, I guess that's going to happen next week, or I, I thought it was going to be part of TakeOver. I, I thought it was going to be part of TakeOver, too, but yet okay. we have the card, and the card does not say anything to do with those three guys. So... Yeah, I guess we'll just have to go take our picks for TakeOver right now with without them. Well, speaking of TakeOver, let's look at the first match. Cassius Ono facing off against Velveteen Dream. Yeah, this was put together after the NXT show was taped this week. Uh, Cassius came in and talked some smack to Velveteen, to which Velveteen basically said, bring it on. Uh, I'm I'm looking forward to this, though. This is uh, basically trainer versus trainee at this point. Yeah. That's, that's Cassius's role, I believe, now. Tough so. enough. Revisited. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Yes, because Patrick hasn't had enough of that yet. Sure, sure. Sorry, um, Patrick. Love so, you. I mean, I mean, Velveteen. Sorry, sorry. Oh, ah, I keep forgetting. Uh, I, I said his is, name. You this know? isn't. <laughs> you did say his name. The wrong one, though. Oh, yeah. uh, this is an easy one for me. Velveteen Dream. Absolutely, speaking this one up. I think Cassius is going to put him over. Yep. They, as we said earlier, strap the rockets to that boy. He's going to the moon. Be ready, folks. Velveteen Dream is going to be with us for a long time, and I'm picking him as well. Yeah. Next up, we got Alistair Black facing off against Adam Cole in a match that is one of the ones I'm looking forward to of all weekend. Extreme rules. Yes, Extreme sir. rules match. Uh, who, you, who you got for this one? Uh, I'm going to go with my, my street fighter, Alistair Black. And, uh, you know, the guy that's the striker um, can actually do moves here. I think Adam Cole is going to depend too much on implements and weapons and things like that and he's going to get caught off guard by a black mass and it's going to be alistair black see while i think that they need to establish adam cole as being a stronger character at this point yeah. uh i think they need to give his faction some more legitimacy by having him have a big statement win over a guy like alistair black and having an extreme rules match gives him the opportunity to do that uh not in a typical singles match way uh i definitely i, I another case where i think they need to have I yeah, it's hard for me to not see Black winning this. It really is, uh, especially considering that the next match we have to talk about. I'm picking Black, by the way. The next match we have to talk about is Undisputed Era. The other two guys in Undisputed Era, Bobby Fish and Kyle O'Reilly, against Authors of Pain. And here, I think Undisputed Era is taking this one. Um, okay. Uh, I could make an argument for AOP, but I think they're too far along and too close to being called up to put the titles back on them again. And that's the only the only logic behind I, I think Undisputed Era is going to retain. Are we going to disagree with anything on this takeover? Probably not. I don't know. <laughs> Everything uh, looks like it's pretty much going the same way. Huh? It, it is. It's pretty predictable. Shayna Baszler facing off against... Shana, uh, this one we might disagree on. Shayna Baszler True. faces off against Ember Moon for the Women's NXT Championship. And, Who you got? Uh, I'm going to go with Ember. I don't think she's held it long enough to drop it just yet. I think that it would be a wise idea to put it on Shayna Baszler and have a monster heel for everyone to fight towards. Uh, that being said, I think that would delegitimize Ember somewhat if they did that, and I don't think that would be the wisest decision to do yet as far as Shayna Baszler, but uh, I could see it happening. Uh, after her performance in the Mae Young Classic, after what we've seen from her in promos and things like that and appearances in the last few weeks... Uh, I'm just gonna I'm gonna go all in on Shayna Baszler. I think she's got the rocket ship strapped to her back, and I think I'm kind of done with Ember. If I'm gonna be completely blunt and honest, um, it's she had her moment, and that time has passed. And I think they need to move on. I don't think she's as dynamic as she used to be. Uh, maybe she might just not be, be. I think she's been pretty good since the last takeover. Uh, I, I agree, she has not been as dynamic as she once was, and she definitely lost a step around the time of the injury. Yeah. Uh, but I think they should definitely double down on her just to give her another chance before trying to put it on someone else like Shayna. But again, we will see. 
I disagree that the rest of the card is predictable, though. I think that the, the Alistair Black and Adam Cole match could go either way, and uh, Undisputed versus AOP could go either way. We're just both on the same page as far as which way we think they're going to go. Might not be about the next one, though. Nope, might, might not be. Andrade Cien Almas versus Johnny Gargano for the NXT Championship. Who do you have here? Oh, this one you have to, almost have to... You can't pick this one without fantasy booking this one out. So this is hard for me because I can make an argument in both ways that would be beneficial for either of these guys to have this title. But the, the build... The absolute build on Johnny Gargano that has been happening over the course of the last two to three months, if not longer, makes me want to believe that they are going to deliver it and finally just land that plane exactly where they've been driving it to. But they're not going to do it. They're not going to do it. Cian Almas is too freaking hot with Selena Vega right now. Cian Almas retains. They're just not going to do it. Uh, for a second, you had me. For a second there, I thought you were going to pull the trigger on a Johnny Gargano pick, and I was going to have pulled this one out. But no, I, I have to agree with you. It's absolutely Cien Almas. Uh, I, <laughs> you know, you, you were you were you were saying that you you the build made you believe it was going to be Johnny. Honestly, as kind of a cynical wrestling fan, I guess the build is what made me know that's no way. Johnny's that's exactly this. why they're not going to yeah, do exactly. it. Yeah, <laughs> exactly. Yes. It's uh, to me. It's it's one of those situations where the most predictable outcome in this scenario is probably the best outcome. Everyone is predicting that in this match, Ciampa will return. That bast, that bald bastard Ciampa, will return to to ruin Johnny Gargano's chance at this title and restart that feud. We've been saying it here on the show for weeks. Uh, to me, that is the most predictable outcome and also the best outcome. I don't mind, for instance, this week, Johnny Gargano versus Velveteen Dream. At no time that I think Dream was actually going to win this match, right. but I enjoyed the whole match the entire time, and I still loved it when Johnny won, and I, you know, was, I was all in on it. If what I think happens in this match happens, it will be predictable as hell, and it will be such an awesome payoff that I will, be, I will love it. I will love being told a story that I saw happen. Like that, I that I knew was going to happen. Yep. I don't mind that. Just give me a good goddamn story. And frankly, that is the best story to tell here: is to have Johnny Gargano fight against all odds to get up to this shit heel, this bastard heel, with his little weasel on the outside of the ring, taunting Johnny Gargano and throwing DIY shirts at him during their previous encounters. The guy that beat Johnny twice after he got kicked to the curb by, by Ciampa before, and Johnny fights his way back into this match, and just just as he's about to rip the title from Cien's hands, just as he's about to get that one, two, three, that bastard Ciampa comes out and steals away his moment from him. That is good storytelling. I will mark the F out. I just happens. marked out I know telling you did. that story. Right. What can I say? I'm a mark for good storytelling. Speaking of good storytelling, we need to head over and talk about 205 Live. Yes. Did you happen to watch it this week? I did not. Okay, did you know what happened with Enzo's title? I know that due to him being fired, that it's it's up in the air now. It's been relinquished. The, the words they use. So Daniel Bryan, interestingly enough, uh, was doing some announcing over on SmackDown, or on SmackDown, on 205 Live. Instead of SmackDown, uh, he was on there discussing the whole situation. He said that uh, Enzo has, quote, abdicated the title huh? and the title is now in abeyance basically meaning vacant that that bastard vacant has once again taken another title probably the <laughs> biggest title winner of the modern the modern era is right. good old vacant 
yeah, so it's a vacant title. Basically, we're, we're going to wait and see what's going to happen because 205 Live is going to announce a new GM next week. Oh, really? There will be, because WWE can't do anything without an authority figure. Right. We're going to have a new GM over on 205 Live. And you oh. already are having a bunch of the superstars kind of vie for who it's going to be. You've got uh, uh, Akira Tozawa doing a great Vince impression uh, saying, you're fired. Uh, you have <laughs> Drew Gulak, of course, already throwing his hat in the oh, ring. Cool. Oh, I would love for Drew Gulak to be the GM of 205 Live. It would be it'd be a little John Laurinaitis-y, but yeah, yeah. I would. I, Gulak's such a great character. Uh, I think it will be someone who's not currently involved in 205 Live, but I'm very curious to see who it will be. Um, but 205 Live was fantastic this week. We had a, we had a bunch of great segments. Uh, Hideo Atami and Jack Gallagher are having an, an ongoing feud because of what Hideo did to uh, the Brian Kendrick. Uh, we had, as I said, Tozawa doing events, Gulak being Gulak, but we also had a main event on 205 Live that I recommend everyone go see because with the possible exception of Gargano and Dream this week, this was the match of the week. Cedric Alexander and Mustafa Ali burned the barn down. Damn. It was fantastic. If you can get a a, a half-asleep post-Smackdown 205 Live audience to chant, this is awesome at you. I mean, granted, audiences love to chant that no matter what these days, but they woke them up and this, because this was a damn good match. I will definitely be going and checking that one out. Hey, by the way, uh, if, for you guys that may not have gone and watched it, I went back and watched the previous two uh, mixed match challenges that happened over on Facebook Watch. And it's I think I've gone over it in previous episodes, so I won't spend too much time here. It's just a new way to watch content on Facebook. This was a lot more entertaining than I ever expected it to be. Yeah. I, I, I had so much fun watching WWE content again. I feel like they're letting the wrestlers be more loose. They're 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 finding more kind of nuances to their characters. They're obviously having a lot of fun with this. Yeah. And and bouncing off of characters they don't often bounce off of, you know, either on either side of the ring from them, either their partner or the people they're facing. The New Day coming out in Carmella singlets with lunchboxes that look like the Money in the Bank briefcases. I I was LOLing on the floor, rolling around. That and was the funniest thing I've seen in a long time. You had time. Biggie and Carmella versus Asuka and Miz, yeah. and Carmella handing a giant stuffed L to Asuka, handing Asuka her first L. Oh, uh, brilliant, <laughs> brilliant, <laughs> brilliant. And then uh, obviously, you know, in the match itself, Asuka and the Miz, uh, I guess, yes kicking uh, Biggie and Carmella they're at the, the same time. The it kicks in, and you need to get it right. Stop it, Corey Graves. <laughs> I'm trying. Sorry, but, Corey. That was a terrible impression of you. But no, that, you're right. These were so entertaining. The backstage segments they're having, they're they're going on right now with Sami Zayn and Becky Lynch are adorable. Yes. Uh, Sammy trying to make Becky more of a of a heel. Becky trying to make Sammy more of a face. They're uh, they're awesome. And this is all content that you're not going to see unless you're on YouTube or Facebook. You know what I think they figured out how to do is I think they figured out how to do the fun stuff that they traditionally do as dark matches or as house stuff and bring that to the online audience. It's I funny. I kind of wish they would show us the house matches too. But that too. But, you know, I'm sure they record it. There's cameras there at every single one of them. Why not put them on the network? Hello? Anyway, that's what I feel like this is a representation of. This is so much fun. And if you guys aren't watching it, be sure you go and watch it over on Facebook Watch. And I feel like, you know, we've come a long way from the dark days of Michael Cole hashtagging literally everything which he still does but i mean he used to be it used to be just incomp they didn't obviously did not comprehend how social media worked and they were forcing things down people's throats for a while there that was just it felt like 
you know, grandpa telling you how to program the VCR. It's like a calm down, grandpa. Right. You know what I mean? Now, <laughs> now it feels like it's a little bit more, uh, it's more free form. They feel like it's a little looser, like it's a little more relaxed. They've, they've, they understand it a little bit more. Right. Between the, the superstars recording themselves on their, their cell phone cameras for promos, um, this stuff on YouTube that's, they don't advertise that it's there. It's just there. You know, Fashion Files is a great example where they've got content online that people will go search and watch uh, without having to over promote it, even though they do kind of mention it every once in a while. Uh, and I think that this is a, a show that, you know, maybe the rest of the promotion is going to be kind of following suit if this mixed match thing works. This, a lot of this online content they're getting for this. That being said, they had 130,000 watches for the first week of mixed match, and there's a 32% drop off. For the second week, down to ninety thousand views. So I don't know if I'm gonna read too much into that. That's kind of like calling box office numbers for the opening weekend of a movie. It's not the long term viewing return that you're gonna get on, on something like that. That's gonna be evergreen content that people are gonna be watching for the next couple of months. Agreed. And and to be fair, ninety thousand is not small fries. That's that's pretty good. And most of the time, if if your YouTube videos for WWE break a hundred thousand. That's pretty solid. That's yeah. that's the baseline. They want obviously over a million, but that's you're talking about Braun Strowman flipping an ambulance territory. So, yeah, I, I would say that's not that's not a that's not a bad thing yet. If it was like fifteen thousand, then I would say mm-hmm. you know start sweating. Also, keep in mind the Facebook Watch thing is I think still in beta and still very limited to particular content creators that have large followings, such as WWE. So it's not widespread yet. Yeah, there's a difference between what's going on with Facebook Live and what's happening with Facebook Watch. Are you saying that WWE is on the cutting edge of a new technology? This is, this is arguably bleeding edge. God damn, that's a first on the forefront. Wow, done. good for them, man. And and like I said, if they're putting out that entertaining of content, let's hope we get more of it because I'm definitely being entertained by it so far. Uh, speaking of being entertained, I can't get out of the show this week without talking about what's going on in New Japan. They're having Fantastica Mania. It's their it's their crossover with CMLL with a lucha lucha libre promotion. They bring in a bunch of the lucha guys from Mexico to Japan and have just this big Japan Mexico love fest, and it's so freaking awesome. <laughs> okay, as a lover of lucha libre, as a lover of Japanese wrestling, it's like having peanut butter and chocolate in the same ring. Oh. It's so good, Nick. It's so good. And it's you're getting cool moments like, you know, because when they send the guys out on excursion from New Japan, most of the time they'll send them to CMLL and they'll work okay. in Mexico. Sure. So a lot of these guys have deep ties to Mexico and Mexican wrestling. Los uh, Ingobernables, yeah. Ingobernables came from Mexico. And in fact, the founder of Los Ingobernables, Rush, was there at Fantastica Mania this year. Oh, and shit. you had a massive in-ring love fest between Rush and Naito and Hiromu and Bushi. And they all were in there lying in the ring fist bumping each other and showing off their tranquilo stances. And just, <laughs> you know, it was, it's so, it was so much fun uh, and so much fun to watch. And then on the other side of things, you had matches like Dragon Lee versus Hiromo Takahashi, where basically they just spent about 10 minutes trying to kill each other, uh, trying to kill each other. I, I heard that they tried to chop each other to death. Pretty much. Okay. Uh, and Dragon Lee has actually tried to chop a couple of people to death. <laughs> okay. Uh, Gran Guerrero and him had a chop fest as well. It's just, it's, oh, it just makes my chest hurt. Uh, but yeah, no, and I, I, this has been a lot of fun stuff. I think the most important thing to New Japan has been, you know, Naito kind of sh- getting reinvigorated and showing off a little bit of a looser side to himself yep. uh, after, this, after the, the loss 
to Okada at Wrestle Kingdom. Um, and the rest is just a bunch of great high-flying lucha wrestling. It's a lot of fun. The only downside is, is that uh, Satoshi Kojima, who was also involved in this, the the guy who I say looks like Bolo Young's less humorous younger brother, yeah. uh, he tore, he ruptured, excuse me, ruptured an ACL, Ow. which sucks. So he's out for a while. It's too bad. He's one of those guys that doesn't have a ton of years left in his career, um, but you know, still looks like a million bucks in there and hopefully he can rehab quickly and get back because, uh, that, that dude is always, he's always scary to watch. Yeah. Well, Hey, over in WXW, there's some news coming out that Jeff Cobb is out of 16 karat gold due to his, uh, upcoming Lucha underground commitments. Yeah. They're, they had a big pay-per-view 16 karat gold over in Germany and WXW. Uh, but because they're doing season four of Lucha underground, Jeff Cobb has to go play Matanza. Yeah. But you know who's replacing him in the WXW pay-per-view? Keith Lee! Keith Lee! Oh, basking in his glory! Keith Lee will yes, be uh, stepping in to replace Jeff Cobb's not inconsequential uh, boots. Hey, that's not everything coming out of WXW. Did you hear that Tony Storm has won another belt? Another one? Another belt! How many belts does she need? All of them! She has all the belts! Good all lord! Do you talk about somebody with a rocket ship strapped to their back? Tony Storm has. I mean, people the say sky's the limit. For people that asked why she didn't sign with WWF or WWF. Wow, I have watched Raw yeah. twenty five recently, right. haven't I? <laughs> uh, they asked why she hasn't signed with WWE. Cut that out. Are we going to get WWE? Cease and desists coming right. soon. Yes. Uh, this is why she's off winning belts everywhere else. Yep. Talk about the the the, the five pounds of gold, the ten pounds of gold. She's got twenty pounds of gold at least already. She has Lord. more belts, I think, than anybody currently on the main in either of the main rosters in WWE in their careers. Uh, just in, I mean, just think of the number of belts uh, th- that that girl has imagine won just how, in the last three years. Imagine how much her carry-on luggage weighs. <laughs> Speaking of belts, uh, over in RevPro, before we get out of here, I've got to talk about their high-stakes uh, pay-per-view that just happened, their high-stakes event that just happened. Uh, the big news coming out of there, of course, the tag belts changing hands. Mustache Mountain, which is, as we know, Trent, uh, uh, Trent Seven and Tyler Bate, uh, they dropped the belts. To Zack Sabre Jr. and Minoru Suzuki. What kind of team is that? Suzuki Gun, man. Oh, Suzuki, God. They, they came over and they they had a, apparently a barn burner, another barn burner this week. Great match. Wow. Uh, Trent Seven got, speaking of chops, he got chopped so hard he just fell down dead. Caved his chest in. <laughs> yeah, pretty much. Yeah. So that's uh, that happened over in Rev Pro. Also, there was a match at that pay-per-view, Will Ospreay versus Mark Andrews. That was apparently also a sick match. Mm. But... We can't talk about any more, Nick. We've just talked about too damn much this week. There was a hell of a lot of show. Holy smokes. And we've got so much more next week because we've got our recap shows of TakeOver and the Royal Rumble, plus our regular episodes of Raw and SmackDown discussions, which will be discussing the fallout from those pay-per-views. Guys, I want to thank you first and foremost. I know we went really, really long today. Thank you for hanging in there with us. But hey, we had Raw 25 we had go-home shows for Royal Rumble, and we had to do our picks for two pay-per-views this weekend across TakeOver and <laughs> Royal Rumble. I'm exhausted. We're going to get I'm, out I'm of winded here. like Yokozuna after an Iron Man match. No! I'll bring that one back. Holy smokes, that was a lot of show. Thanks again for hanging in with us. If you'd like, come over. You know I'm going to be live tweeting this weekend during both TakeOver and the Royal Rumble on Saturday and Sunday. So come follow us at BWO Podcast on Twitter and hang out with me while we watch those pay-per-views. You can also come join us in the Busted Wide Open discussion group over on Facebook. Post a lot of stuff in there as well as this show. 
Ian, where can they find us on iTunes? They can find us on iTunes, and they can find an, find us on whatever podcast app of their choice, but they've got to do something if they do that, and that's Uh-oh. give us five stars. Click that five-star button. Yes, sir. Give us a nice review. Give us some feedback. Let us know what you like. Let us know what you don't like. And while I'm talking here, I've got to bring up something that we didn't bring up in the rest of the show, Uh-oh. and that is that while you're live-tweeting the Royal Rumble, I want to hear what you think about Stephanie McMahon's commentary because Stephanie McMahon is officially on commentary for the women's match because you can't have a woman's anything in WWE without that woman getting herself over at their expense. Well, on that note, I'm Nick Howell. You can find me on Twitter at Data Center Dude. And I am Sir Ian Dangerous, and I'm falling asleep at the Manhattan Center just like Jim Ross and Jerry the King Lawler did. And you can find me on Twitter at Sir Ian Dangerous. Will somebody stop the damn match! This show is part of the Orbital Jigsaw Network. For more episodes, subscribe to us on iTunes, Google Play, or Stitcher Radio. For details and show notes from each episode, check us out, orbitaljigsaw.com.